All you can hear is just the clock in the background going tick, 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 tick. Mm. Welcome to Polymaths. We are on episode 12. My name is Chris Frossin. I'm uh, Ashley Callum. With a nice pair of slippers on. Uh, yeah. I've got <laughs> Christmas slippers. Christmas and slippers. I've got cold feet, so you've got the last laugh. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Chris Frossin. Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at Calisthenics UK uh, and also at AF Mylac, although not got much on there. Uh, on Facebook, on uh, Complete Calisthenics. And You've got an AF Mylac fan page as well, haven't you? On yeah, Facebook. and on Facebook, AF Mylac. Yeah, M Y L A K. So yeah, my four five your places there. Name. Uh, and you can find you can find me on Facebook. You can search for Chris Frost and Photography. Um, and obviously that shares across on Twitter as well. So if you're on Twitter, you can find my Facebook page because there'll be posts on there that share it across. Instagram, Chris Frosin, uh, Chris Frosin and everything. Mm. Dead simple. Right, episode 12. Uh, we're yeah. two weeks into the new year, 2015. What date is it? It's only the seventh one week. It's only the seventh? So we're one week. Seventh, yeah, the last week. day of the first week of the new year. One week, yeah. Um, how's it been going? Good, yeah. Also, we've talk, talked about goals, so I've just been doing more on that. Um, done a lot the last. So, I mean, Monday was my first proper day as I as I classed it working. So my my uh, partner Siobhan, she's started her new job now. Yeah. Um. So she's uh, she's only on ten till five so far this week, but then she ramps up and she goes ten till seven every day Monday to Friday. Wow. So um, that's nine hours there where I just get to do as much work as possible. Um, because 2015, I mean, yeah, I think we said last week that 2015 is quite an important year for both of us. So it should be your first year as a yep. time photographer, my yep. first year as a full time writer. So, yep, full year. Yeah. You did a bit of half year in the last year. So, a lot of. Lot so yeah, of it's big scare. And um, I, I, I don't know whether it was nerves or um, being scared or something, but I was, I was, I felt a lot better about it uh, over the last couple of days. Um, Again, it was one of those things. Uh, uh, Arnie's rules, which I've written up on my on my wall. Arnie's rules. One of them is just trust yourself. I think uh, might be number one, might it? Might might be number one. Uh, trust yourself mm. uh, and don't listen to the naysayers. But trusting yourself has always been something that um, I'm always particularly hard on myself when I'm when I'm taking the photos. So. I think you think trusting yourself when you, when you kind of I've done a few shoots recently and I've been bringing the photos back and stick them on the computer and kind of had an idea that there were good photos on the back of the camera but then when you put them on the computer you kind of do get an idea um, mm. and there have been a couple recently which I've been just really pleased with, really proud of. Do you think coming up with the idea to, to do the do the colleges and, and do the pictures after after the fact that people can get hold of, do you think that's, has that made you realise or, or made you think, right, I can I can make a living out of this yeah, so easily? Yeah, or? so I do, uh, I do lots of, photo shoots for car magazines where I'll go out onto location and photograph a car or a set of cars for an article, feature article, for cover photo, cover article for car magazines, things like retro cars and things like that. Um, and a friend of mine, I've always been, I've always been at the end of the shoot, I've said, oh yeah, we can, we can sort you some prints out, uh, we'll do these prints for X amount of money. Um, but one of my friends up in Scotland, a guy called Aidy, offers like collages so it's a big frame print and then it's, there's rather than just one photo there's like a handful in there uh, and I think I've always wanted to offer like a single really high quality uh, in the future at least I've got I've got in my head of offering a single really high quality like metallic print like massive big panoramic thing 
uh, like four foot long and two foot high. Wow. Um, printed on printed on aluminium. It's called aluminium. Aluminized, if you want to go the American route, aluminized prints. Uh, and I really like the, I really like the because I've kind of come from a technical drawing background. I like all the details and the fine, the fine focus and everything. But um, obviously, it doesn't work for the vast majority of shoots. So being able to offer something that's in between, and these collages are, have gone down really well so far. So that was just mm. like another another form of income that's just just really perked me up a little bit. It becomes a bit more solid then, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And I felt exactly the same when, uh, I can't remember what I said last time, but since last time, I think I might have heard that I've got a, a Spanish translation coming out, a, a, a Chinese one, yeah, as well as a German edition that's out in, in the spring. So it's kind of just like, it, it, it's... I don't mean yeah. I, I felt just a little bit more confident. So I yeah. can, well, I can do this now. You know, there's, yeah. there's just a, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a lots of different forms of income, isn't it? And it's, yeah. it's something I've always kind of been trying to tick off. Well, I can do the car photography, but how many car shoots do I need a month? Okay, well, if I subsidise that with doing headshots for businesses as well, and then subsidise that a little in a little bit with doing tennis tournaments, I'm not going to try and do as many because uh, I want to focus on the on the other stuff, but. Like headshots for for businesses, there's a ton of businesses in Derby. I can email, so I'm going to try and email one of those every day. But again, the same for you. I mean, I think you had one of your goals was you were having trouble putting a figure on some of your goals. And then yeah. when we kind of said, well, actually, if you sell X X amount of prints in England, America, Germany, Spain, and China, you've all all of a sudden kind of hit that goal yeah. straight off with a very manageable number of sales. And I think I try and do. Like the really conservative, because I, mean, I think you can get ahead of yourself. It's no, it's no use me going because you can get too really. You can get too uh, um, dream like, yeah, yeah. You know, too optimistic. You know, it's like oh well, I want to be a billionaire. Well, I don't want to be a billionaire. I'm never yeah. going to be, um, but I want to. Uh, I mean, I like writing more than anything, but it's you've still got to pay the bills. So I want to. You want to still be able to create. At least I do. It's my goal to be able to create. With no um, constraints, um, with no real deadlines, you know. Uh, I mean, maybe that will happen in the, in the future. Maybe if I write a series, maybe if you yeah. write a novel, you know, three series. Yeah, and it gets picked up. Um, yeah, you know, three novel series. Uh, you know, the first one does well, and then right, well, we need the second one by such and such a date. Well, shit, I've got a deadline now yeah. imposed by somebody else. So maybe, but then you get even that. You do. Well, then George R. Martin's just like, yeah, I'll get you the next one when it, when I get yeah, it. Whatever. Because he's the only one that can write it. So what, yeah. what are they going to do? You know, yeah, exactly. what are they going to do? Once, he's, once he are, like, owns the franchise or owns the uh, copyright to it, it's nobody else. Yeah. Is and they can't take over. It. I mean, if they did take, and they said, "Well, we'd be in too long, and if you get somebody else to pen write one, so, so what? Will the, the, would the fans even buy it? I mean, yeah. that's that's the risk that a publisher runs, isn't it? Really? Yeah, especially with somebody as as publicised as him, he's very. And he's, very and he's I don't know what age he is now, but he probably doesn't give a shit, does he? He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> care. He's not going. He's not going to be. He's not going to be pushed around now. At, 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 you know, he's obviously a massively experienced writer, mm. um, but no, yeah, that, that's made it a little bit more solid. And it, it's, it's made me think, right? Well, if even if that does just okay, I'm still I'm still okay for for an income and stuff, and I can still I can still pay my bills because I, just, I suppose you don't really, really want to be worrying about that while you're trying to be creative. Yeah, uh, but but then again, you know, you read about some of these. I, I've read about a lot of a lot of bands. Like I mean, I'm a big fan of Metallica and a lot of those thrash bands and, and they're notoriously or they were notoriously you know poor in, in the earlier days because there was no money in it they were yeah. just up and coming yeah. they were just out of either high school or whatever or college 
over there. And um, I watched the that Queen documentary, and they were doing the thing about Queen. And uh, for the first four albums, they had no money because they had a they had a really odd uh, deal with their with their promoter, um, and they just didn't see any of the money. So the, their promoter was was telling. Um, uh, telling the drummer that he couldn't break any of his drumsticks because they couldn't afford to replace them, they were that skinned, yeah. and um, they were saying a, n- a number of the a number of the newspaper writers were coming around whenever they went to interview them would bring around a couple of bottles of wine because they knew that they just didn't have any money. Um, but obviously that was changed very very quickly. No, no. Because I, mean, I brought that up because I thought, well, maybe that inspires the creative process. You know, maybe yeah. if you don't bloody hell, I'm going to be out on my, out on my ass yeah. in in three months or whatever because I can't wait to afford the rent. You know, maybe I'm gonna. Maybe then you come up with some ridiculous story or whatever. You know, but but then again, I don't know. There's plenty of people that are that have been quite successful for a long time. They're still coming out with decent. Yeah. Decent. Yeah. I mean, like like Suzanne Collins. I mean, my um, my girlfriend's got uh, a series of books that she released before that have got loads of like hundreds of five star reviews on on Amazon. So she must have done well out of those. So she must be living living okay and, and affording the bills quite easily before she. Went, you know, uh, came up with the idea for the Hunger Games, and then that's gone massive. Of course, so that was people, but people, Collins, yeah, people must be able to. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think maybe it's just there's a few examples where people have been. I'm clutching at straws, but I'm, I, I hear that the Hunger Games books are far better than the films because the films are shocking. I think the films are well. The films are okay. They're, they're, <laughs> they're Americanized, aren't they? They have yeah. to be. And since reading that screenwriter's bible, I, a lot's made sense. Yeah, yeah, a lot's made sense because in terms of, of writing for the masses, or yeah, uh, and and like a formula of what Hollywood is looking for. Yeah, you know, and they have they have like a um, the guy says, yeah, if you have um, an interesting character that has a need or a, or a want or a cri- or a crisis or something, um, and an opposition to that need or want. Yeah. Um, so obviously the, the the need would be for you know say Katniss to to live or survive or for yeah. for families to survive. Um, the opposition to that is obviously the capital and President Snow and the rest of yeah. it, and then you have, uh, you know, an emotionally satisfying ending yeah. to the trilogy, I suppose, or to the film. Uh, I don't know it how it ends. Uh, I can't remember actually. I don't. Spoilers. I don't even know if I've got all the way through the third book. I know I've read the first and second, but it was a long time ago. Uh, yeah. Well, when I mean, released, that's but... that's one of those things. That I've got um, the goals that we were looking we to talk about last week. One of my goals or the extension which is the habits the daily habits that kind of um, are a smaller manageable more emotional kind of trigger to the goals uh, one of mine is to read every day um, because things like that I've never read I've never read um, Hunger Games I've never read any of the George R. R. Martin books uh, the only the well, only kind of trilogy yeah I know I can see them up there they're sitting there going read me um, yeah. but the only trilogy I've ever read is is like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, and I read those when I was like 11. I read The Hobbit when I was 9, I think. Read Lord of the Rings when I was about 12 um, for the first time. I read it a couple of times after that. But, yeah, I need to, I'd need. i like to read a few more. Um, there's quite a few. There's a handful of comics which I've read before the films come out, like Watchmen. I've read The Watchmen before that came out. I've read um, uh, Wanted. I read that one before it came out. But then again, comics and... I mean, there's some incredible writing in comics, but I think I'd, I'd, I really want to read some some novels. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of in terms of films which are hitting the Hollywood want at the moment, you've got to look to the Marvel. Some of the Marvel comic books. I mean, they've they've just released a trailer for Ant Man. 
Yeah. And that was... No, you, if you went back five years and said, yeah, we're going to make a, a film about Ant-Man. It's a license to create like, No, that's just out. not good. That's not going to happen. But yeah, they've come out with it. It looks really good. They've got the... Oh, it just appeals the to right. the masses, doesn't it? You know, the, the effects are to... The special effects are to the point now where they can make, yeah. you know, the Hulk look real when yeah. he's interacting with, say, Iron Man or whatever. Yeah. Um... And the stories, I mean, the comic, comic book, comic book, there's a, an absolute plethora of stories which are completely untapped and nobody's kind of touched into, so comic book writers are... I think, I mean, so have you read any of the uh, the Horus Heresy, the, the Warhammer Force? Yes, yes. So they, I know, to I know, me, I know those, a lot of the writers. Those stories are, like, infinitely more gargantuan than any yeah. sort of, like, Marvel yeah. or, or any sort of fantasy stuff that comes up with that. I mean, I, I haven't read, I don't read those as fantasy stuff, but it's not like... The thing I don't like is like this. Um, I forget what they call it, like hard sci-fi, where it's almost, where it's almost cheesy or no, not not cheesy isn't even the word. Where it's kind of like um, no, you can't say cheesy because the Predator's cheesy, and that's your favourite film. No, 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 not cheesy, but that's that's tongue in cheek. That that's kind of like black comedy. Kind of yeah, it's tongue in cheek for yeah. they, they know they're being they yeah. know that they've got one liners in there. You know, they've yeah, got yeah, them it's in like there. the Expendables. Expendables 4, yeah. and it comes out and we get to the chopper. Is this a line in Expendables 4? 3? 4? Yeah. The last one. Um, but I don't know, I, th- I think it's it's fantastical, but it's like, well, this sort of could happen, you know, if, if you had a, uh, you know, we've had empires that, that have spread, you know, tried try to, try to reach across the globe and stuff. Well, in a few, a few tens of thousands of years, could you have an empire that would try and reach through the solar Galaxy, system or yeah. through other solar systems or through other galaxies? Well, but probably, yeah. Probably. You know, it's, it's the next logical step yeah. you know, if, if they could traverse that distance. So you do countries, you do worlds, then you do solar systems, yeah. You just keep going. Um, but there's some stories in there, some characters in there, you'd think, well, th- this is just made for the big screen. I mean, you, you know, they'd have to pick out a very specific yeah. plot because there's so many in there. But then on the flip side of that, it could end up being run... Uh, like the George R. R. Martin thing, oh, I, we want to we want to run the story, but we only want to tell the story of the Starks. Well, no, yeah. you're not going to have it because if you're going to have it, you're going to tell the whole thing. So it could end up at some point if that gets back into fashion again, where they just run with a whole horror set. I mean, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? My friend Gav would make an absolute fortune because he wrote half of them. But they're 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 written really well. Yeah, I mean, I think that first one I've got there by Dan, uh, Dan Abnett. Yeah. yeah, Dan's good um, little lad. Just written absolutely, you know, it's awesome. You know. It's good flow. They've got like you know, specific sort of words and terms for for yeah that are used in the future. The characters are really good. You get the sense that these like godly primarchs and stuff are the way they describe and stuff. You think you know, yeah, it's it's, it's it's nice to read. It's a pleasure to read. You know, um, we'll have to dig those back out again. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they can be my daily reads for a bit. I mean, I, I need it. You know, I, I like getting inspiration like that because it, it's there. They're just much bigger than than not other no, other sci-fi novels that I've read. They're, they're much, yeah. you know, that you can you can almost sense that this this is like a galaxy. This is actually happening, or it, it has happened somewhere else, or it will happen somewhere else. You, know, you can sense it's so massive and it's so dense and stuff, and everything intertwines and yeah. you know. Uh, it's nice because I because I knew a lot of the writers before they started writing novels, and they they pretty much um, I wouldn't say practice, but they used to write a lot of the. Uh, fluff and backstory in some of the army books and um, stuff at Games Workshop. Yeah. Um, so they kind of wet their teeth on that and then threw into. I think I think Gav's first book was a Warhammer book, so a fantasy fantasy style book, um, which had one of our battles in it, which was quite fun. 
Mm. Um, but the, yeah, they just—I mean, some of his horror heresy books are awesome. Like Dan Adler, you said, I think Dan's written about seven, six or seven of them. Um, yeah, doing, doing really well with those. But yeah, definitely, I need to read. I need to read more. Definitely uh, need to read more. I'm going to try. What do you think? Do you think I should read? Because I've got those Brian Cox books. Okay, so I've got the Brian Cox books, which are very scientific uh, and talking about science and think there's there's. I mean, the the one that the chapter I was reading last night was all about Copernicus's um, view of the solar system and how it was completely different at the time, and everybody thought that the Earth was the centre, and he was like, "Well, actually, no, because I can. If if we put the sun at the centre, then everything makes sense. That's why the planets do this uh, retro. What's the phrase? Something like retrovert, uh, but the elliptical uh, move, movement across the sky. Uh, but then on the flip side, should I be reading more of a novel? I think you can read both. I, I mean, which one to pick? I, th- I think I've I mean, a few faces. I mean, I've got a whole shelf up there that is just reference. I think the second one down. Yeah. The second one down is, is purely reference. I think it might even have. Well, I know obviously a lot of big books down the bottom uh, are reference books as well. They just don't fit on that shelf. But, yeah. Um, I think you can, but it, it's. I, I mean, just, it's just things like. I'd, things. I'd love to be able to read. I'd love to have read Paradise Lost. And I've got it at home. I don't know whether they just kind of just nail that and just say, right, okay, yeah, I've read Paradise Lost now. So I always wanted to get, I always wanted to finish reading, uh, um, I want to say War something, um, that book that David Wally wrote. Oh, War and Peace. War and Peace, yeah. I've I've only ever got about 300 pages in and just got bored. I I just, you know, maybe that's a a flaw in myself or, sometimes I, I do get the feeling that a lot of these classic books are classic because they're either, Old or or the the writer's not alive anymore or all these sorts of things. They are difficult to read. Yeah, what I, was that one that you said? Was, uh, Ian Banks, the hydrogen. Yeah, I mean, he, he's obviously meant to be a, a ridiculously good, you know, sci-fi writer. Won all these awards and stuff, but I just can't get into that book. I, I, so how old was that book? I don't. I think that's fairly recent. I, I think he's dead now. Actually, I think okay. Ian, Ian Banks is dead. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, but um, I think he's had a lot of. A lot of hits and a lot of in the sci-fi community is what he's well yeah. known, but um, I just can't get into it. It just doesn't for me. I mean, maybe maybe this is me being impatient or whatever. But if I read a book for the first couple of pages, I have to be hooked. I want to know either what happens or I have to be interested in a character or a situation or yeah. something. Because um, I remember starting to read not. books when I was younger, and I was like, well, I could I could pretty much, or I I felt I could gauge how the writer how what the writer's style was from the first chapter and yeah. then if the first chapter was it was whether it was flowing or whether it was engaging not in terms of engaging in the story but engaging in terms of the writing um then i'd, I'd carry on or i'd put it back down again um what was the one that i read in america in about four days uh angels and demons Angels and Demons, I read the first chapter of that, I was like, okay, yeah, this is, I can understand why everybody's been picking up. And people slate down around it, so it's like, like well, do they slate, why do they slate it? It's, I mean, for me, a book's, if a book is a chore to read, well, then it's yeah. not very well written. But then, maybe it is very easy to read for other people of a different intellectual level, yeah. maybe they're much more intelligent than I am. And, and, and again, he took, Dan that. Brown was able to take um, aspects of the past and rewrite the the actual theory on why they were there and things, which was I did find it funny when nice people were going, oh, you know, oh, oh, you know, Da Vinci Code isn't, it, you know, it's not possibly real. This was like, mm, it is a novel. <laughs> it's a work of fiction. Yeah, it's a work of fiction. It's not meant to be true. Yeah. You know? but, uh, no, it was, it was. Yeah, I like I like that. Thing. It was the same with Interstellar. With, with the, I keep going back to that. Uh, how they just t- kind of take a black hole and the the 
Yeah, I mean, even even if it's not even rearrange it, well, like Lawrence Krauss, was, was it Lawrence Krauss just slated it? Yeah, Lawrence so, Krauss. Yeah, um, let's not. He was a then, interview. But then it's it's a it's a Hollywood film. I mean, if you're yeah. expecting, if you want something that's sci- really scientifically accurate, then there's plenty although, of documentaries out there. Although uh, I was watching because um, I think it was when you linked the Interstellar soundtrack, and I downloaded. The, I got the soundtrack, and I was listening to that, and then I went through and I looked at all the YouTube videos of behind the scenes on Interstellar. They had a physicist on the. They Kip Thorne. The, yeah, Kip Thorne. I've got the book. Uh, I've got the book by Kip Thorne up there. She yeah. bought it for us for Christmas. It's good. Oh, the Science of Interstellar. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. It's good because the yeah, first. He, he kind of came out and said, so. "Well, no, it's all based on. It's all based on stuff I mean, it's, that it's we pushing stuff to yeah. the absolute limit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he said sometimes we had to sort of make um, concessions where uh, Christopher Nolan wanted the plot to go a certain way, and I said, "Well, the." the science and physics won't let it go that way well can we make an exception or can we how can yeah. we stretch it but then they're, you know, they're picking plot it's a film they have to pick plot above above reality otherwise they'd just make a documentary Did you know yeah, yeah, yeah if exactly. they wanted to make a science documentary they'd make a science documentary I mean if you it's, think of if you a, think of Interstellar and Inception basic pre- in terms of the time uh, difference. Uh, so in interception, you're going down the levels of dreams, and then obviously the time uh, jumps on that. And then in, in in interstellar, then you've got the difference in the black hole. And when you go down, okay, well you've got the time difference there. One seems um, one one is kind of thrown back in everybody's face by Lawrence Krauss, who said, "Well, no, that's complete rubbish." Uh, and then, but the other one, inception, is yeah, okay, I can I can believe that Everybody because it's it yes. Yeah. But maybe it's because inception wasn't claiming to be. Because they did go on about, oh, you know, this is this is you know, yeah, this is scientifically they? based, and and we're we're trying to yeah. get as close to you know the the real. I wish they wouldn't say things like that. I mean, one of the one of the, I, I almost turn off the film as soon as I see it at the beginning of the film based on true events. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to turn that off because if you're pitching the film at me because this this happened, then yeah. I'm not interested because it's not happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. You get you've you've taken one one tiny little thing and even that the, and has happened don't... and then made a film about it like yeah. Paranormal Activity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we found this this one phone video of somebody, and then we're just going to make an entire film about it. No, it's just an absolute load of bollocks. I hate that. So you were going to go on to say well, we had uh, uh, talking about Copernicus and things, the progression of language and grammar, who makes the rules. Yeah, and, the, uh, the evolution, evolution of the linguistics. linguistics. Yeah. Um, um, which, because obviously I was reading reading the Brian Brian Cox book, which was the Human Universe last night, and it had an excerpt excerpt from. Copernicus book that he wrote in 1700. Have you got uh, that? I, I think, think I emailed it to you. I think I've got um, it. But it was. I was trying to. I was trying to. Do you want to verbalize. Attempt to read this. Yeah, I was trying to verbalize how. So before he reads it, I was trying to verbalize how language at this point was still very English um, in origin, but it just has a completely different flow to it. Um, it sounds and it's almost poetic. By... Yeah, it sounds like it's written by people much, much more intelligent than anybody that is around today. Yeah, um, maybe. We but I don't know whether that's—I don't it. know whether that's the attraction of it, um, or not. But maybe, maybe education was a bit more classical, or the people that had the higher education were just very classically um, trained in language and grammar and all those sorts of things. Um, yeah, what's it? So this yeah, is from. So this is from. This is from. Uh, it's, it's basically Copernicus wrote a book about the solar system, um, and how everybody at the time thought the Earth was in the center of the uh, center of the universe, 
and he said, uh, or he came across and said uh, that the sun was in the centre and then the the earth was orbiting the sun and the moon was orbiting the earth and because of this he could then prove that all the different, all the funny and weird and quirky little uh, star movements in the sky could be explained very, very straightforwardly. Whereas if you thought that the earth was in the centre of the universe then yeah, you, you couldn't prove it. Yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't. Always try to square the circle. Yeah, yeah. I can't think. Of it. I can't think of the phrase. Can't think of the phrase that uh, describes the movements of the planets in the sky. It's retro something. Something with the motion. Retro. Retrograde motion. Um, I can Google it afterwards. Yes. Yeah, so but yeah. So this is the, this is. So it's, well, it's two sentences. So, for although those who put their faith in homocentrics showed that some non-uniform motions could be compounded in this way, nevertheless, by this means they were unable to obtain any incontrovertible result in absolute agreement. With their phenomena. Uh, on the other hand, those who devise the eccentrics seem thereby, in large measure, to have solved the problem of the apparent motions with appropriate calculations. Which, <laughs> so we, well, we we gathered that yeah, he meant for we, the first sentence. You can't understand sense. it, and it's, yeah. it does kind of it does make sense, but it makes sense in a very. It's written in a. It's it's almost written in a way that's. That's How did more you... complicated than it needs to be. No, you you said it was well, the, the subject. The subject changes through the sentence. Yeah, it's almost like the subject yeah. changes through the sentence. But I mean, the first sentence he's talking about people that um, uh, uh, put their faith in homocentric. So you know, the, the Earth being the centre yeah. of the universe um, showed that some things could be explained that way, but then unable to produce any evidence to show how the whole system yeah. works. And he's saying those who put the sun at the centre of the, the, the cosmos, like he does, or the solar system... Could then tick off all the... Could, could then show quite easily with, with calculations how it yeah. can happen. But it seems like they use... They, it's much But then we explained it with lots of... Lots more... I don't know. I don't want to... I don't want to say simple words, but we've we've explained it in a different... In, like, modern linguistics. Yeah. Um, compared, and compared to... It, like when I was read, writing that um, uh, Republic book. Yeah. Um... Yeah, for those that don't know, I wrote, I, I wrote a book a few months ago, uh, oh, it was a few months ago, maybe it was six or seven months ago, that, uh, yeah, called Republic, The Case Against the Monarchy, so it's just my thoughts and opinions on um, monarchy, uh, uh, why we have it, why we shouldn't have it, the arguments against it, the arguments for it, and, and all those sorts of things. But Did, was that the one where you had a, a sentence at the beginning of each chapter? Just little quotes, yeah, yeah. little quote. Um, and it was... Um, I could have I could have written it in a in a a much simpler style, but I didn't want to. I wanted it to I wanted to write it in a poetic um, style and use la- try and use language in a, in so that if you read it aloud, it would sound nice and it would flow and it would sound uh, intelligent. I mean, I didn't use words uh, for the just of for it. the sake of it. I want instead of saying "Oh, that's bad," you might say "Well, that's terrible," or, or you know, instead of saying "This is." Um, I can't stand this. You might say, "Well, it was insufferable." You just yeah. use words that that mean the same thing, but sound a bit more poetic and, yeah. and things. And, and I suppose, I suppose that's everybody's guilty of that, aren't they? I mean, it's, it's yeah. You could write a letter just saying, "I want to close my bank account, please." Yeah, but you put you put you know, dear sir, madam, um, I hereby give notice, you know, to yes. such and such to cease funds. It's almost you you just adding adding flamboyance. Yeah, flamboyance. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, it's it's like the language is still modern day language. It's just the way that the sentences are structured and um, and how they kind of react to each other. 
I mean, I'm saying it on a very non-writer-based level. Um, I'm sure if you ask Dan Abnett and Gaff Thorpe, they'd go, oh yeah, well, it's, it's this kind of sentence structure. But then we're going to say who, because I, I've, I've had a bit of feedback on um, the first novel I've done. I, I'm, I'm getting a guy in Canada called Steve uh, Barnes, awesome narrator. Um, I've really, really been impressed with his work so far. Um, and he's come up with a few sort of corrections and, and, and other bits, and it's it's uh, inserting commas where they sort of should be. But then I read the thing back, I think, mm, well, I don't think it should be there. But then uh, tradition or, or the rules dictate that it should be. But for me, when I read it, I'm like, it, it interrupts the flow. It, it, it makes it a bit more jolting. Yeah. A bit, it makes the writing and, and the, the sentences a bit more halting. And I was thinking, well, who... Who makes the rules? Who decides? You know, is it just a general? You know, do, do they decide to change the rules if a lot of writers are doing that at the same time? And they think, well, we're seeing this, so this style of grammar. Almost. Yeah, we see we're seeing this style of grammar in X number of books now. Or maybe we should think about updating our. You know, I mean, there is a, there is a, I think it's the Chicago something or other. Oh, um, yeah. Um, uh, I think we might be talking about it. Um, a few podcasts ago, but yeah, they have sort of like learned grammar rules for, for you know yeah. American American writers um, and journalists and things, and, and it's just different from UK based, you know, uh, maybe Canadian based as well. Maybe they have, yeah. maybe have different or Australian based. It's gonna be different, isn't it? So I just I am interested into who decides whether it's a, a whole whether it's a cultural thing, a societal thing, where everybody who's contributing knowledge or writing or whatever into that society it gradually changes or whether it's just one person that goes right okay we're, we're changing it now yeah um like with like i've tried to write start writing this screenplay and there's a set way that it has to be written that the screenplay has to be written so that anybody that works on a film understands it yeah that's fair enough so i can't understand that yeah but even so that's almost syntax rather than oh yeah but who decides those things is it just, it, it must have just developed over time but then you know, do you get some directors with a bit more clout and say, "Well, actually, I like I like it like this." Okay, well, we'll tell everybody to write it like this now because mm, you, Mr. Yeah, Spielberg, maybe. because you've you've said you want it like this. Yeah, Mr. Spielberg, you pull strings. Um, you say whether we use square brackets or round brackets. Yeah. Um, what do you reckon? I suppose it's just I suppose it's just like experience because if you're if you're running through it and. Uh, I, don't, I don't know the I don't know the syntaxes that are used in the screenwriting, but I think it's uh, square brackets kind of come in to set the scene, don't they? Um, so if if for instance they were using round brackets a while ago to set the scene, um, but then they were trying to scan through lots of scripts or trying to scan through the script and seeing what scene they were at, and the round brackets are also used for um, thoughts of the main character or something, uh, then they're going to get kind of screwed up so at some point they're then going to go well actually if we put square brackets there then they stand out a bit more and they've, they've got their own their own identity yeah. um, so every everything that happens in a screenplay you could probably put in I don't know just guessing five different categories uh, let's think of five different categories so you've got character you've got scene setting you've got thoughts that are going on you've got words that are being spoken uh, and off-screen narration, yeah, off-screen narration, something like that. So those five different categories are going to have five different syntaxes to pick them out, so that they pop out, so that you know. So uh, um, if you've got a scene director who's coming in and wants to know exactly what scene props they need, all the scenes will be in apostrophes or yeah. 
or uh, asterisks or something, so that you can just go through a, onto a page. Okay, so that's that. Highlight that bit. Highlight that bit. I need these kind of props for this scene. So I yeah. suppose that's that's where it comes in with screenwriting. But in terms of who makes the decisions or why they make a decisions for for writing, writing, I have no idea. It'd be interesting to see actually, because you know David Williams has started writing some kids books. Okay. Apparently, they're very very good children's books in terms of developing their language and linguistic skills. Right, because yeah. on every page he drops in almost like a long flamboyant, if you like, flamboyant word. So the kid is learning a new word every page, but they're written in that poetic language. Okay. Um, yeah. so at least that's what I've heard. I've not read any of them because I'm not three or twelve or whatever. Yeah. It would be interesting to I think it's quite funny. But it'd be interesting to pick those up and just have a flip through and see where, because obviously that's, that's modern day um, scene setting, so they're setting the standard of modern day how, how mm. youngsters are learning it on the, at the moment, which would be interesting to see. But it's, it's strange because that there'll be sort of one set of rules for you know, just a general novel, like I've written already with yeah. this one, and then The Martian was, was written sort of completely differently because you've got a log that the guy's writing himself while he's on Mars. And that's, so written, that that, that's written and, and formatted in a completely different way. So is that the format? But I'm guessing that's and a different font as well. But that'll font. be the writer's choice. Oh yeah, yeah. So course, he'll yeah. he'll say, okay, well I need to. But I think that's good. But then you might get a lot of people editors going, it shouldn't be like that. Whereas I think that really adds character to it. So that's make... a creative choice, isn't it? It's yeah. like when we were saying about uh, Christopher Nolan and Hans Zimmer last week. Okay, well I wanted it. I wanted a very very grand soundtrack, and I almost wanted a religious feel. So we use an organ. Yeah. So the organ. Uh, has a subliminal link with everybody, undoubtedly, a subliminal link with everybody that tells them religion and church. Yeah. So if you're writing a log, uh, if you're writing a log, um, captain's log, star date, blah blah blah, you've got, you've already got in your head what that log should look like. So he's going to make a, a creative and it's decision. And a bit more like you know, you, you've seen sort of. Um, he's going to have a dot matrix almost font. Yeah. I'd imagine, yeah. and it's all. Yeah, it's a bit like that. Actually, yeah. yeah. And the date will be in square square brackets at the top of the page. Yeah, that's what I imagine a log would look like. Yep. Um, but then, is are you are you talking about the actual text within it, or is the text within it very? I think all of it, just just the the style. I, I mean, but the style it's written it will still the the style it's written will um, still follow grammatical rules, won't it? It's just that the sentence structure. The sentence it, structure won't have that poetic. It doesn't, but, but a lot, but a lot of the time, like I, like my argument would be that. Dialogue, obviously, novels has to follow a certain these certain rules and stuff. But people speaking don't follow those rules. No, people don't talk. Uh, uh, they don't speak grammatically correct all of the time. But that's how you differentiate between the characters. Like you were saying in Pegasus, you wanted the people in Pegasus not to be well. I mean, common. You wanted them to be well educated, so you were writing them in a particular way. Yeah. If you wanted them to come from Texas, you would have. Knocked off some... Yarl. Yeah, knocked off some... Um, Although in... Um, uh, I've started writing letters. a new... Well, I've got a few thousand words now for uh, a, a book that I'm going to call Ancient's Landing. Um, Which is a cool premise. And there's a, uh, there's a character in there... Um, called Bob. That is... Uh, well, I don't know what it's... I'm Please call, call him Bob. Yet. And then yeah. we can get Rowan Atkinson to narrate Bob. it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's sorry, kind sorry. of like... He's kind of like... Um, uh, uh, a being that knows... 
almost all there is to know about, about yeah. the laws of the universe and stuff. He's been he's been alive for X number of thousands of years or whatever, and he he knows. So, but I wanted him to speak in a very different way, and he he's because he's learned English on his way to Earth. I can't give too much away. Well, I won't. Um, but I wanted to. I, I thought right. Well, I'll put lots of full stops in then. Almost like he's kind of like think it, he's saying the word and savouring the word as he says it and he stops and thinks really hard about what he's going to say next yeah because if you were if you were trying if you're say if you're learning a language you probably go uh, a lot in between everything yeah oh uh, bonjour um, uh, you th- you because you, your brain needs yeah. time to think and I don't I didn't want him to go uh, and have commas and stuff I wanted it to be very so just lots almost of like a clean very, yeah yeah like a, like Good almost enough. like an analytical clinical Style of speaking because it's not his first language, or maybe even his second. So that's or more. Language. That's more of a. I think that's more of a question rather than who makes the rules on what kind of um, punctuation and syntax it needs. I think that's more of a more of a question. How do you write? So how do you write for somebody who is very clinical and abrupt like that, like Benedict Cumberbatch? You imagine Benedict Cumberbatch's character being very bolt upright and. And proper like Khan in Star Star Wars uh, Star Trek. Mm. Um, how do you write to relate that over, as opposed to how do you write? I mean, it's easy to write. Well, I say it's easy. It's easy. I'd imagine it's easy to write for a Texas drawl, because you just kind of drop a few apostrophes in there for words for letters that have been dropped off. But then, how do you write for a very clinical, carefully worded paragraph yeah. or a speech? I suppose so guys. putting those full stops in, yeah, does it interrupt the flow of how you read it? Oh, undoubtedly, yeah, I think it would. But in my mind, I've got this this guy's kind of like a, um, or this character's a, uh, like the ultimate teacher. So it's more just like he's taking his time because he, yeah. he he almost knows in advance that anybody that he ever speaks to is going to be playing catch up to him. Yeah. Because so that, that text from Copernicus, we read it, and obviously we read it and understood all the words and everything that was in there, but then we had to reread it to understand what was even being reading said. It, even reading all this is quite, quite tough. Yeah. You're thinking, well, how do I say this, this bit? You know, when I pause, you know, even there's comma there. It's like, yeah. you know, so the difference you know. between that, you don't want, you don't want an ancient, ancient dude coming back and speaking like that, because he's learnt from... Um, modern day. I suppose he could have learned from all sorts language. of sources. It depends. Uh, my, my idea was that, that they would have received radio signals from way back when. You know, we were Voyager. Yeah. Found the Voyager spacecraft. Well, which, since, since which on the on the plus side is in Elite Dangerous. If you go it? to the, if you go to the Sol system in Elite Dangerous, it, you can find the Voyager spacecraft. Both of them. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> my friend put a photo up on. See, the, I can't wait. Can't wait for they release <laughs> landing on planets for that. That yeah. would be the best. That would be the yeah. best thing. Um, so what do we uh, so Jack would you go on to um, do you want to go back to goals do you want to talk about your goals and yeah. your writing goals and my photo goals and stuff so goals yeah so goals for this year I've got well I've got I've got five so five novels have you, so done your, have you done your habits no but I know what I need to do okay for those um, so my habits are going to be to write it depends on the it depends on the day. Once one goes full time, ten to seven, then I'll be able to get a couple of thousand words done every day. Um, so that's going to be my goal to get a couple of thousand words minimum every day written content, regardless of whether that's final draft or not. It so written content in terms of even just like sharing on your blog or something. 
No, no, that that would be actual novel actual or novel. non-fiction, yeah, okay. yeah, stuff actually in word, okay, uh, written, and then um, obviously a post every day. Share, like you say, share something every day, whether it's a. Uh, so I'm getting a lot of requests now to share videos or, sh- or yeah, I saw your like your little sixteen-year-old like. kid. It was that was impressive. Yeah, so I've started to do a lot more of that just because it, it, it gets the, uh, yeah, it gets the people more people talking about calisthenics and things. Um, and you I, had lots of personal experience goals have you got personal oh, experience habits as well uh, that you've kind of tied those yeah, down yeah like, like just play guitar every day read every day yeah. uh, shoot every day if I can if I can't um, it's not the end of the world at the moment but um, in the summer it'll be a bit easier to do yeah in the summer like um, I said we've, we've said earlier wouldn't it it'd be if, great in the summer of just kind of going out and if, yeah I mean if, if I if I tend to, if we go and buy a house later on this year then I'll, I'll make sure it's somewhere where that's We've either got a bit of garden, <laughs> at least garden. Tw- yeah, twenty thirty yards, <laughs> yeah. at least, or it's near to somewhere where you can go and, and shoot regularly. Because I'd like to make that a daily habit as well as, as playing yeah. guitar and reading and stuff. Um, what else? Um, I thought I'd try and come up with one idea at least every day. So not necessarily a new novel idea every day because that'd be too much, but. Um, yeah, even a scene or something. Yeah, or a, yeah, yeah. a scene, uh, a plot idea. Um, That's kind of like something I'll come up with as well. Yeah, because I think if I, I've got a, a, a novel series that I want to do, a sci-fi novel series, probably over, yeah, over three books maybe, or maybe even five books. I don't know. Um, but I'll need to come up with so many scenes and potential plot ideas for that yeah. that it's. Yeah. If I spend the next year planning it, then it's a good three hundred or so potential plot points. Yeah, I'm going to just, just inter- interweave all those. You know, even if I just come up with one a day. Um, what habits do I have? Um, How did you find the process? Pretty good, actually. I came up with loads more experiences than anything else, which I thought was a good thing. Yeah. Because uh, my personal experiences section was full as well. Um, but I think I said, I think if if it wasn't, I'd be really worried because I'd be like, well, why the hell am I working my ass off then? Yeah. You know. Yeah, working for the sake of working. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do. I, obviously, I do enjoy writing. I mean, I'd do it even if I was a, even if I was a millionaire. I'd still do it because it's, it, it, it's. Yeah, I need to keep my brain active like that. I need to find something to pour creative stuff into. Um, and that was the, that was one of the things that. Um, the the original. Kind of brief was, to do those one hundred and one bucket list items. Yeah. So I mean, I got was, I got nowhere near that. That was no kind of like a little one. bit of a nudge to the creative side as well. So it was like, okay, well, we're going to help your creative inner creative kind of come out. Uh, and then obviously because you're doing writing and I'm photography, both very creative, um, both very creative based role, uh, roles. Mm. The one that I had on there was that I wanted to create a. I wanted to have an idea every day, so a creative idea, similar to you all with the plot points. Uh, and I was just going to have a book just of ideas for photo shoots, ideas for a photo that I wanted to take. Even if that's kind of popping on Pinterest and just having a look at sports photos or car photos and seeing one that said, actually, I really like that. I want to do a, I want to do the stereotypical Route 66 of a car right in the middle of the road. Just, just stupid things like that. I mean, the one that I've come up with, uh, the one that I've had this week, um, which was uh, yesterday, I need to, I've not done one for today yet. Uh, but the personal project which I'm working on this week is going to be a gym photo shoot with Lindsay and M, Lindsay and Emily, and it's going to be like almost a gym face-off. So there's going to be, if, if you imagine both of them doing face-to-face, 
head to head doing uh, press ups until until one of them fails kind of thing. So it'll be a photo of, of them both looking at each other and with that intensity of I'm I'm not going to quit. Well, I'm not going to quit. I'm not. I'm going to do one more than you. I'm going to do one more than you. That kind of thing. So that mm-hmm. was the one that I've got for this week. But just trying to tap into that creative side of your brain and just really kind of get those down onto paper and, and almost almost practice it for uh, professional reasons yeah uh, so that when you are asked okay well we're on shoot now we need a we need a cover photo for this be creative you can then go okay well, I've, been, I've, been, I've been practicing this for the last three months bang there we go we're going to do this creative shot and um, so that was that was one of my ideas for that mm. so I mean, I've got eight. I don't know whether you want me to go through them. I don't know whether should I go through. Yeah, go through. We've got, uh, we've got. So we we broke it down. Uh, for those of you who were listening last week, we went from the bucket list items into a goal grid, which was midterm, long term, and short term. Uh, from then, we tried to link to an emotion that we were going to feel when we hit the goals, and then we tried to get the habits. So the habits are going to be the emotional link between doing something and actually achieving the goal. So I've got. Uh, a career-based goal list, which is um, idea. So I'm going to do an idea every day. I'm going to plan, which is going to be I'm going to plan a personal project every week, and I'm going to do a stage every day to achieve it at the end of the week, kind of thing. Um, I've got pitch, which is email or contact a company for a photo shoot every day, and then I've got share, which is sharing my work upon. Facebook because I mean I've noticed a couple of couple of shares that I did over Christmas I had forty six thousand post reach on my Facebook page with with I, I think I've only got seven hundred likes on my Facebook mm. which was crazy forty six thousand and it was just ridiculous um, and then the personal ones or the personal slash experiences there's uh, high intensity strength training every day which would be interesting when I get very very tired. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, what was the other one? There's practice, so either practice guitar photography or archery every day. Uh, water, drink two litres of water because I'm rubbish at drinking water. I drink cups of tea too much. I want to try and cut down on the amount of sugar I'm taking in uh, because one of my goals was not to have diabetes in 15 years' time. Diabetes. Uh, yeah, I don't want yeah. diabetes. Funny fact, 50% of all Americans born today will have diabetes when they're older. Wow. 50%. Nuts. Um, not Karen Ames. No, not Cameron Haynes. That was on a Cameron Haynes, Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. Um, and then the last one uh, was read. So I'm going to read to me every day. Uh, yeah. which, which obviously I did that Brian Cox thing. Which is cool. I think a lot of my a lot of my habits like go into the wise. I mean, they're things that I think I'll do. Well, I think I'd do anyway. But definitely posting more, doing more um, social media stuff. Yeah. Um, but I've sort of set aside an hour or two every day to do that. And I'm, I'm getting a lot more emails now and answering a lot more emails just to do with the calisthenics book and things. Um, and I haven't really done much on the uh, novel side of things. Um, but that's, but I think I'll hold that off until the, the audiobook's done as well. Yeah. So then I can just do marketing and I've, I've got all three then. I don't want to have to necessarily do another another load um, when the audiobook comes out. Um, and plus, I'm still, I'm still. Uh, yeah, although it's for sale, I'm still. Uh, although it's for a sale, I'm still doing, you know, still reading through it, making sure everything's, you know. And Pegasus one. Yeah, Pegasus yeah, I thought that was one, interesting. Yeah. You were still reading through that. 
Well, well only, only that's because, one thing I wanted to ask. Only because Steve said, if "Oh, you... Yeah, that these these things might not be correct." But he's he's a Canadian, and and uh, so I've, I've I've gone through and this. There might be a couple of things I've found, um, but not many. But then again, I've only I'm only thirty pages in, so I'm going to try and do thirty pages every day. What's it like? Yeah. What's it like having to read your own stuff? Because Pegasus, you must have read six, seven times by now, and I, and I struggle to I struggle to set. I, mean, I know it's your I know it's your kind of focus, but I struggle to set time aside to read a book, let alone you sort of reread um, a book I've already read and written. I think it's. I mean, I've I read uh, read the whole thing aloud probably two or three times at least. Um, so that's that's obviously because it's eight thousand words. That's taken quite a while because I don't rush it when I read it aloud. I, I read it aloud as if I was narrating it. Yeah. Because then I get the flow, and any mistakes are very very easy to spot. Because how did you, you, how did you find the flow? Uh, did, it flow, right. did it flow how you had in your mind when you were writing it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, I can see things, the overall style of the writing that I would change, but um, it's too late to change the whole book. Yeah. And it was my first novel, so I, I, my writing will continue to get better, I would have thought, you know. Um, so. There was an excerpt on QI where they were talking about um, a guy who was, it was something like 500 BC, uh, and he was. He was viewed, sitting cross-legged, reading a book, but it was the, it was so beautifully written. Again, it was very poetically written about this guy, and he was sitting sitting there writing a book, and it was along the lines of, uh, his eyes scanned the words, but his mouth, a word, uh, a, but his ha- his mouth, a word never made or something like that. And so it was mm-hmm. like it was it was unheard of that this guy that, that you were reading a book and not reading it out loud it was he was one of the first right. people ever to read in his head right okay um, and some guy Gosh. wrote about it it was just so beautiful i'll have to try and find well, it for next time about that. so beautifully written it was uh, one of the stephen fry uh, kind of read about it um, i'll try and find it actually we've got the laptop. i suppose it would be very unusual because yeah. everything before would have been um, if you go let's have a quick quick google and see if i can find the sentence I suppose everything would be um, you know if, if storytelling and, and, and knowledge was passed down orally more than anything else it that's what it would be yeah why would it be it must yeah it must be because if you're you know, if you if your ancestors your 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 father your grandfather your great-grandfather all, all the way going back was said you know would, would pass down stories orally then I was I was three hundred years out. It was three hundred and thirty-eight A.D., okay. and it was a guy called Ambrose who was a bishop of Milan, and he appears to be the first person in Europe who could read without moving his lips. And this is a, this is the thing. It's beautiful. When Ambrose read, his eyes scanned the page and his heart sought out the meaning, but his voice was silent and his tongue was still. Anyone could approach him fe- freely, and guests were not commonly announced, so that often. When we came to visit, we found him reading like this in silence, for he never read aloud. Wow. That's that's that's. I suppose at that reason. time as well, probably only the priests and bishops and, yeah, and religious, read. religious leaders would be, would be the ones to read. Yeah. That's wow. the power of Google, you see. Ten seconds. Bang. Google. Google. Need laptop. <laughs> um, what else do we have? So yeah, Bishop of Milan. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah. So a few novels. Um, or a screenplay. I want to try and get done this year. TV least, series. Yeah, TV series. That. That's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of work. Um, I'm looking forward to it though, but um, yeah, I'm still, I'm still sort of putting together ideas for it. Yeah. See, now that's that's a thing where I would go for absolute 
scientific... Yeah, documentary style. You could almost yeah. write that as Hitchens can... In yeah, that, in that kind of yeah, I mean, in that started, kind of time. Got any idea, actually. But you could you could almost write that with the, as the uh, narrator as um, as with that kind of poetic tongue, and then the the astronauts are slightly slightly less verbal. Um, so I've got uh, yes, yeah, so I've started to write it, but I've I've written things like um, uh, oh, well, yeah, it. so be sort of like so the, the the maybe the narrator would say something like I mean it might people might think it's a bit cheesy, but. Um, I've tried to make it as poetic as possible without making it too highbrow or too yeah. lowbrow. You need to try and you need to try and make it, you know, because science teachers are often thought of as you know really boring and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I've put something like um, uh, the universe has always fascinated mankind ever since we looked up at the stars and wondered if there were other worlds out there that we might one day set foot upon. Only in the last few decades have brave men and women ventured into that vast abyss and returned to tell the tale. They have seen and experienced things that no other living person has. And those experiences have remained private. Dot dot dot. Until now. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Sneak peek. Even when, but but then it tells really hard. Yeah. Is to write dialogue that is factual. Sound no 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 that sounds uh, that sounds unscripted. That's that's difficult. Top I gear. found that quite difficult. Top Gear do that very very well. Wow, yeah. Top Gear is all scripted. Even though they keep winning awards for the best unscripted TV show, it is all scripted. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I've written Brian Cox here, but that's because I was trying to imagine him. Yeah. When I was writing the thing, I was trying to imagine his voice and his cadence and stuff. He, you know? he, yeah, he writes. He, sorry, he writes. He speaks very eloquently as well. Yeah. Like in the last, the last sort of minute or so of that human universe, he was. Yeah. He's right. You know, we need to. Needs to try and encourage the pursuit of knowledge for its own sake. It's it's poetic, isn't it? Especially yeah. when he does not only when he talks to the camera, but when he's doing like a voiceover. Yeah, yeah the voiceovers um, I think are great. So that that was difficult. But I mean, I've got I've, I've got a bit there. I mean, that that's that was episode one. Um, but then I've got oh, where's what have I done? And I've got the treatment there, and that's that's just sort of ideas and, and things like that. So that's like. Um, um, Episode ideas. Yeah, I think they could I think go I, here and this could happen. They I could probably go do. Here and this could I think I'll probably do six episodes. Yeah. Um, something like well, that. Well, again, you want to be able to leave it for a second season as well. Oh no, I wouldn't do a second season. It would, no? it would just no, it wouldn't be possible. Um, yeah, of course it would be. I think I've got Interstellar. Just told you how to do a second season. Oh look, guys, we found a black hole. Oh, another no, <laughs> system. Found a wormhole. But I mean, I it's think sphere in space. Logline was quite hard to write as well. So for those that haven't heard before, um, I found this out once I bought that screenwriter's book. Okay. A logline is um, a small sentence, 20, 20, 25 words or so, that would appear in, say, a TV guide that tells you everything you need to know about it. Wow. Okay. So Predator's logline would be: um, uh, Alien Alien uh, arrives on Earth to hunt um, a group of elite commandos. Yeah. That would be a logline. So logline is, this would be a civilian scientist or TV presenter sets out with a group of astronauts and a cameraman to document a journey uh, through the solar system. Boom. Sold. So you, uh, you have to... It ha- cause it has, <laughs> has to tell you, Seriously, that is a sold. That is it awesome. has to tell you everything, everything about the... Um, it has to tell you everything about the, the whatever it is. Um... You know, and trying to trying to come up with a title as well is being ridiculous. I haven't come up with a title yet. I mean, I don't know what you'd call it. It has to tell you everything about it. You can't call it, um, you know, I mean, the human universe. That's quite you know, the solar Been system done. or, or 
you know, yeah, so I mean, I don't know, it's, it's quite, it's quite tough. Um, Coming up the episode yeah. names was, was quite good. Um, you could definitely do a second season. I don't know, because my, well, I don't know, I don't know. The thing is, there's enough, we've only really got enough planets and stuff for, because after that it's guesswork, at least, at least if you did it in our solar system, yeah. everybody's sort of familiar, even people that aren't familiar know that there's planets and Jupiter and Mars and all the rest of it. They have found two, uh, they've found two planets over the last week which are the closest to Earth that we've ever found. So in the, in the habitable zone of a single star yeah. um, and of the same size so that they, they can retain water and they've found two that are very, very similar to Earth recently. Wow. Can't remember what they're called. Um, and then Hubble as well has taken the, you know, the Pillars of Creation photograph that Hubble took. He's retaken that this year uh, and that's just come back out again and that, the resolution on that is just ridiculous. We set you sent me a, 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 a two billion resolution, two billion pixel yeah. resolution. Of, um, <laughs> That's bonkers. Yeah, absolutely I mean, bonkers. I mean, mad, absolutely mad. Two billion megapixels of uh, was it the solar system? It, no, was, uh, uh, it was Andromeda. The, uh, Andromeda, Andromeda, which will collide with us in about five billion years. So yeah. you've not got long. Um, <laughs> yeah, we need to get out of this place. We gotta get out. So of yeah, this I mean place. that would bring us on to what are we talking about? Uh, well, yeah, whether we'll lose, we've probably talked about stuff like this before, but whether you'll think that we'll lose the Enlightenment values of the Renaissance and the Greeks, or whether it will go the other way. Because I read an f- interesting article or, or news report today about a French author, uh, I can't remember his name, only, only, only caught it. He's apparently quite famous, and he's just yeah. written a book called Submission, I think it's translated into, about the potential uh, Islamization of France. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's not against it, he used to be an atheist, but now he's a religious person. And he's read the Quran many times, apparently, and it's it's his because um, he says a lot of uh, Muslim people in France have no, you know, that the the left and the liberal side are com- completely not their taste whatsoever. Yeah. But then the right don't cater for them either. So it says oh, he, say, he says yeah. who would they vote for? Them, he says yeah. they've got no one to vote for, more or less, because they've got such different um, ideology to or ideologies to to everyone else in France or most other people in France or most other political parties so it's just a novel that he wrote saying well you know what way would it go but um, that was my point the point was that he said um, he thinks that the enlightenment values or enlightenment man or the renaissance man is is empty it's going the other way now people are people are just disregarding that Um, my thought was if if that was the case we'd never get to the moon we're not going to go any further into space. We're going to go backwards. Surely society is going to regress now. I think there's 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 an argument to to kind of support the fact that we're probably going to end up with two communities. We're going to end up we're going to end up with half the world, um, like Google X Space and everything, who are uh, is it China who have just landed on the moon again? Yeah. Um, so we're going to end up with with half half the population. Chasing that, and half the population watching the Kardashians on TV. Yeah, um, but not maybe not even that. Maybe it. just going even simpler. Maybe just going, uh, you know, just well, we want to go back simpler, simpler, simpler. Which is weird. Not really. For me, I, I feel like uh, uh, a bit of both. You know, I, I ideally I want to live somewhere where I can see the Milky Way at night. Yeah. Without you know, without without yeah. sort of, you know, it's so dark there. Yeah. There's no, like so Dead little pollution. light pollution that I can see the Milky Way and, and things. Have like you that. ever seen it? No. You've never seen it? No. Uh, no, I might have. S- 
No, no, no. no. I'm lucky. I've seen it twice. What's it like? Huge. Just yeah, mind-boggling. Where was that? Iceland, maybe. Uh, no, it was. It was. It's actually down in uh, Dorset. Right down I in Dorset. I right out in the middle of the country in Dorset. Uh, at one of my yeah. uncle's farms. Yeah. Um, and we were. Where have we gone? We we just come back. We were camping and we'd just been fishing. Me and my dad had just been fishing and I caught a couple of trout. We came back. Uh, dad killed one of them, so we're going to eat that, which is an interesting one. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, so, yeah, we, we were eating the eating the trout and, yeah, the Milky Way was Milky Way was out. It was, it's just... I'll tell you what, it's staggering how much of the sky it actually takes up. Uh, because when you sort of see the, the only... Uh, the only view most people have had of it is in photographs and photograph is just um, and as I've said before a photograph on a screen is completely different for a photograph on a hand and a photograph in the hand is completely different to seeing it in seeing it in uh, person. It's taken up by your peripheral vision. Yeah it completely takes up all your peripheral vision it is huge Um, and the colours in it are quite cool. I suppose if you're at the point uh, if you're uh, on a part of the you know the earth where you're in the, you know, you've got the galactic plane. Yeah. It's going to be most of it. Yeah. 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 Um, um, but my dad came and showed me a photograph uh, the other day and said, here, what do you think of this? And turned it around and it was a, it was a long exposure shot of um, the night sky with, you know, the, the, the spherical turning of the, the stars. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. The spherical yeah. turning of the, uh, let's get it, let's get it right. Sorry, Copernicus. Um, then he showed me that. I was like, yeah, it's a good photograph. There are Far better ones out there, though, and I, I kind of clicked on one and showed him, and it was like, well, okay, wow. Um, but yeah, I think that would be awesome to be able to take a photograph of the Milky Way in a certain landscape as well. Mm. But we're getting off the subject. What was the subject we were on? But no, I was, I was saying that I, I want to be able to live, uh, but then I want to be able to sh- sh- like hunt yep. my own food and things and prepare my own food. Um, I want to be uh, uh, live a simplistic life in that in that way, but then I still want access to the internet. I still want, you know, a uh, 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 a, a MacBook to work on. I still yeah. want, the, or, or I would still like the, these sorts of things. I think we talked about this a few episodes. Yeah, ago, so I mean, I don't the, think the relevance of this uh, kind of skill. I don't think there's, you know, you don't have to. I think the guy, the author, this French author, was almost saying that it's kind of like cold and clinical and, and stuff like. It's just like, well, it's not. It's the truth, you know. You, you the the like Lawrence Krauss has said before. The chances are that the atoms that make up your right hand came from a different exploding star than the ones on your left. Mm. Now, that it's not just poetic; it's true. Yeah. Because there's so many atoms in the universe, and uh, you know, and there's so many so many stars have, have exploded and died over the over the you know the course of you know, the history of the universe. It's not just likely; it's it's very 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 likely that that's the case. So I mean, to me, that's more that's more poetic. And and I I, I think somebody uh, there's a guy in America that that comments a lot. He he shares a lot of science things, and and um, it was about death or something and, and somebody written on there oh well, you know um, uh, you'll see such and such when you die and all this sort of stuff and I put well, well you know not really even if even if that was the case I wouldn't want to believe that you know it's for me it's much more poetic thinking right well you know the atoms that comprise my body were made by exploding stars and in, in you know the nuclear furnaces of stars billions of years ago yeah. billions of years ago um and then when I die, they're just going to go back to that process. It's going to go back to the universe again. You only ever borrow the atoms that, yeah. that, you, yeah, that yeah. you're using. To me, that's more poetic. It's not cold. It's, it's not. It's not. Um, uh, uh, it's not 
non-transcendent, it's completely opposite. See, for me, people saying oh, but the myths and things are, uh, are small and kind of like they're petty. When you consider that the universe is, is so much bigger, <laughs> that like unimaginably bigger. And what you can remember is that a lot of these myths were, were thought up when they didn't even know that there was a universe. They didn't really know that there were galaxies. They didn't even know there were galaxies in Einstein's time. Yeah. They thought they were just in a, st- a static, the Milky Way was just static, eternal, unchanging, the universe wasn't expanding or contracting or anything else like that. That came after with Hubble and, and, and this discovery of the red light shift and, and things like this. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's puzzling to me. I don't know, I, I, or with my mind and my mindset, I can't understand why people would want to turn away from that. I can't understand why people would want to either try and not know it or ignore it, or even if they do know it, try and forget it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it 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 it, it was strange. It's strange to me that that people would want to choose some choose not knowing, either to forget knowledge or or to not be more aware. I never even thought about people choosing not to even be bothered with it. Well, that's that's what that's what that's what most people do. Most people don't they don't care, do they? I mean, you, I think there is some scary statistic that, that says something like uh, you know, a certain percentage of, of you know, over 21s or between 21 and 45 in the UK, they weren't sure about how long a year was or what how the solar system Or why works. it was a year. That was it. Yeah, why yeah, it was a year. Yeah, why it was yeah. a year. I mean, so, I mean, for me, that's... To me, that should be common knowledge for everyone, but it's not. But then... Yeah, I, I, I don't have the mindset and I struggle to understand why people would want to turn away from that or not not uh, not have the urge to understand it. I mean, there's, there's an argument to argument there for whether knowing that is even relevant. Oh, of course um, not, no. I, I, no. I mean, but then what is relevant? I mean, if, if yeah, you're... Who, who, yeah, it's, I mean, for, I, mean for, I, I, I'm... I'm for, I'm for a caveman, for it, the only relevant so. things are knowing how to hunt, how to find water, how to find shelter, how to, how to protect yourself. Yeah. Basic, basic things. Other than that, everything else is superfluous. Because we talked about a few episodes ago about whether, because we just started archery, and we were talking a few episodes ago about whether these kind of skills are even relevant to the modern day, modern day man. No. Um, and oh, well, though, on the flip side, bow hunting is. I think that's a kind of a if you, if you look at it with all the arguments for and against. I think that's a really poetic, uh, Very. right back to the primal. Very. That's a really good I'm connection, sure, I mean, you know, connection with your life, think, your your actual living. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you might we, we've we were talking about uh, this guy called Cameron Haynes, who's a, who's a, a um, professional bow hunter in the in the states. And he's saying, Oregon? or Oregon, yeah, Oregon. somewhere. Yeah, somewhere it's somewhere in the in the west. Um, where there's uh, never any wind. And he was yeah yeah. It was there's never any wind. His arrows just go where he wants them. That's the trouble in the UK. We just got we've got weather here. Yeah. Um, over there. But um, but yeah, he was saying you know you might stalk something for six days, a week or something, and it's just like you get to almost know that animal. Mm. You know, it's it's been alive for a certain number of years. You're getting to know it over over a certain number of days or hours or whatever, or even weeks if you if you're following a herd of them or something. Um, and trying to pick out which is which is the one that you should responsibly kill, you know. He says, he says then people are people are up in arms about that, but they're quite happy to go to Tesco and buy packaged meat. They don't. They've never seen the animal. They, the other they've thing never that's saw just what occurred sort of to me as well. All those 
documentaries that Ray Mears and Bear Grylls and everybody does about going out and seeing all the old uh, Aborigines and all the old tribes and everywhere, and they're saying, oh, well, they've, they've just made this bow and arrow, we're now going to go and hunt a pig. Nobody goes up in arms about that because no. they're killing the pig to feed the bloody family yeah. back at the village. I mean, I suppose their argument... And that be... is exactly exactly the same, that ultimately, what Cameron Haynes is doing. Yeah. He goes and kills an elk over in Canada or Oregon or whatever and then brings it back and feeds his family for a month on, longer, on I mean, cleanest yeah. food, on the cleanest meat ever. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I've just realised that. I mean, because we are going to talk about bow hunting. I think, yeah. I think that does tie into the whole... Which I way is it going? It, it, it does, yeah. I, th- I think you are right, though. It, it will split off. I, I think you do have people that are upset, but then maybe we're... I mean, I don't, I don't mix with the type of people that don't enjoy talking about this sort of stuff. Um, and my, my, circle of friend, podcast. my circle of friends is quite quite small in that regard because a lot of people do watch TV. And Ash a lot is of lonely. Do. Oh, no, well, but I, I, but when, I think I said before, <laughs> when I was younger, I used, I used to think, mm, maybe I should have more friends. Well, I don't need more friends. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm quite happy. As I've got older, maybe yeah. that is the yeah, thing yeah, about getting older. It's that realization. As I've got older, I've realised now that you don't need to. You should, you, if you want to hang around with one person or a handful of people, just make that choice. Yeah. You know, if you if you want to get involved in in pop culture, get involved in pop culture. You know, if you if you don't want to, then then don't. I'm not. I choose not to. I've never been. I don't miss it at all. I don't miss watching TV. I don't miss staying up to date with who's dating who or who's. Yeah. No. I you know. Uh, give it a toss. I think I get in, involved in. Yeah, I suppose Interstellar is in the in the pop culture. There's a few things that I get involved yeah. with that, uh, that are. That's there, was a, there was a scary culture. Twitter outcry this week. Um, your favourite person, Kanye West, has Kanye West. has released a song um, with Paul McCartney, right. and all his fans have said, "Oh, well done for Kanye West for supporting these unknown artists and bringing them out into the forefront of of the music world." And Nobody has any artists. idea who Paul McCartney is. No. Oh my god! Anyway, let's, let's skip straight like, through that. Like when they confused uh, Neil Armstrong and, and Neil Armstrong. <laughs> Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Aldrin and Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Archery, bow hunting. Yeah, it was uh, the the. I think the the thing that's missed when you get because obviously the end of the video is Cameron Haynes holding the antlers of this elk with a massive smile on his face because he's just had the adrenaline rush of a six day. Six day hunt, picking out, not only picking out that, that one to shoot, but making sure it was the right one to kill. Because he, he's got very particular rules on which one he's going to shoot. He's not going to hunt an elk that's four years old, uh, because it's in the prime and that's going to, um, it's, he's going to have. Reproduce past his genes. Yeah, he's going to reproduce and pass on his genes and go towards the survival of the elk, whatever. Uh, it has to be one that's at least six years old, because that's past its prime. Uh, if it had a fight, it would, it would. There's a chance it would probably lose against a four-year-old buck. So he's he's shooting a six, seven-year-old buck. It took him six days to find the right one. Um, and then the shot that he actually shot it with, the the elk was dead in 20 seconds. The the arrow went straight through. And it's no doubt a much quicker and less painful death than a natural. Quicker, more painful death. It's lived an entire life out in the wild. It's probably never seen, like you said, it's probably never seen a human being. And pe- but people do make this. I heard Joe Rogan and uh, and Karen Haynes talk about on on Joe's yeah. podcast, saying, "Oh, people say things like, oh, um, but it's nature.' Well, well, uh, no, they, they say they say, oh, well, you know, uh, uh, 
castle of bread to be eaten. Surely that's worse. Yeah. Surely that is worse <laughs> than, 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 you know, just a natural wild animal. You know, that, that is the way of things. People, you know, maybe vegetarians don't like it or people that, that support uh, uh, animal rights. You know, uh, I'm not against animal, I'm, I'm against animal testing completely. I, don't, I think the idea that they test on animals for cosmetics, I think, is ridiculous. Regardless of animal, regardless if it's a mouse or anything. But if you're hunting a wild animal that, that is, that is, uh, um, predated on anyway by bears and other yeah. uh, uh, other predators, then it's fair, it's fair game. Which and if you're eating that meat and making use of the animal like these bow hunters do and like these yeah. hunters do, yeah, that is complete. That's completely different to me than trophy hunting. Yeah, um, I mean, he, he was saying that he doesn't understand trophy hunting. No, but but then on the flip side of that, he was talking about because he wanted to go and hunt a lion in Africa, and there were a big, there were a big, um, what did he call them? There are big uh, operations over in Africa where um, local tribesmen help you track and then kill a uh, you pay for a, the privilege. a bison or a, or a leopard or anything like that. Yeah, um, and then you bring it back and that feeds the village for the next. Well, month. Or you have to pay because so, uh, yeah, he was talking about the lot. poaching, wasn't he? Yeah, he was saying that uh, they were poaching poachers, elephant, wasn't it? And they're, ask, they're asking poachers what they would earn from from the ivory and stuff if they killed an elephant or something, yeah. or, or just just the elephant. Much wasn't it? Was it two two, and a half I think he said no, I said two hundred fifty dollars or so. Two hundred fifty dollars for the ivory from. Yeah. The, from Whereas the then they were saying they would pay upwards of anywhere from twenty twenty five thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars to hunt an elephant. Wasn't you it? know, so, like a rich businessman coming to America. Yeah. So you see these rich businessmen doing this and there's initially there's outcry but then you think well what would you rather have the elephant's going to die well the, the elephant doesn't have to die and either again way. it was it was very much that we aren't going to shoot the young bucks we're going to shoot the older ones so it was it was definitely on the lines of it is going to die yeah and we've said before mother nature doesn't give a shit no uh, we, we're, we're either going to get wiped out because of global warming because mother nature has to make the equilibrium and if the equilibrium is us dying then we're just going to die I think people, there's there's a lot of, I suppose there's there's a thing about species being, uh, you know, going extinct. But the trouble is, what what's the figure? It's like ninety, oh, well over ninety eight percent of all species that have ever existed are extinct now. Really? Yep. Never knew that. Which is which is, you know, the, I, I, oh, they, God, don't, yeah. they don't. Do you go back any... to all the trilobites and stuff? No, oh, yeah. I mean, uh, that's, yeah. that's the thing. People don't understand that human history is uh, a, a minuscule. Yeah. In terms of the Earth's history, I mean, even if you said on the high end that Homo sapiens, Homo sapiens have been around as a species for for a quarter of a million years. I think it's, it's still if nothing. you if you use the um, if you use the a year as the Earth's yeah they lifespan. do this don't they yeah. yeah the year is the Earth's lifespan the human race has been in uh, like the been last in existence for the last minute yeah. before New Year's Day yeah uh, there's yeah there's loads of things like isn't there yeah. I think um, dinosaurs came about on Christmas Day, and we've been. Well, if, uh, there's the one. If you minute. hold you, if you hold your arm out, then it's it's like if you if you like rub a nail file across the, your nails. Oh, is that, that our yeah, existence gone? That's, that's loads, awesome. I like that, that one. Might be, that I like might that true, one. But it's, it, there's loads of ones like that. Um, yeah, that's our existence. Yeah, gone. so we we don't have. I think humans don't have a. I think it's different if it's extinction brought on specifically by our. Um, Activity, yeah. so say in the last fifty years or hundred years yeah. or since, or since the industrial. But they were, talking, that's quite they were like saying that extinction, extinction, animals being close to extinction. Oh, well, you can't hunt a lion because they're close to extinction. Okay, well, they're not close to extinction in this area. There's shitloads of lions in Africa. Africa's massive. There's loads of lions and lionesses in Africa, so they're not 
getting close to extinction in Africa. It might be close to extinction in Australia. Or and you've got, to, you've got to say, right, well, okay, if, 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 some, Australia, if some rich hunter from America or, or the Western world pays $50,000 for the privilege of hunting a lion... Yeah, a seven-year-old lion. $50,000 might go some way to set up an even bigger reserve, or it might it might buy more land for more yeah. lions to, yeah. to go on. You know, I mean, because the, these reserves that have in Africa are thousands and tens of thousands of hectares. Yeah. Tens of thousands of acres, you know. um, and it's surely more money going into that only creates bigger and and better funded and better better protected. But reserves. even if you, even if you go up to Canada, bet there's too many bears in Canada. Yeah, and that was the, that was the argument they were saying, wasn't well, they're it? Saying there, six there, bears there per two, square mile. Six bears per square mile in where was it? Uh, they, was they Alberta. Taught, I think they were hunting Alberta in Alberta. In Canada. So they were hunting in Alberta in Canada. There's six bears per square mile. There's, something like that. That's two like, quotes on it, but it was something I like that. I think it was six. Yeah, I'm Cameron pretty sure it was six. Um, but there were so many bears up there that they, they need to be hunted. They need to be controlled. But then they were always getting, oh, you can't kill a bear. And then the the not even the counter-argument, do you know how cruel and horrible bears are? I told a story about yeah when, the, the, when they wake the male up, bear. they go looking for cubs because yeah. they're not their genes. Well, obviously, I mean, lions do that, don't yeah. they? Bears yeah, bears are completely about survival, so the male bear would, would well, come they in. They told a story of, of um, one of the bears killing one of the female's cubs. Eating half of it. They all, they all went, and the female came back later when it was sort of, you know, the coast was clear or the male had, had, had buggered off or something and she ate the rest of it ate the rest yeah. of her cub because it was, it was no longer that's not a cub no, they might have a, an emotional attachment to it yeah. but that's protein and, and nutrients yeah. and stuff it's no longer there. her cub a bear it's does now, not have the food. choice of going down to Tesco or Sainsbury's or something and buying their and that's the same meal. with the lions as well isn't it that was why they, they would never shoot what was the they would never shoot a lion that had a pride and would never shoot a lion in a pride so they yeah. had to they had to bring a lion out that that wasn't in a pride because if they if they killed a lion that was in a pride um, that was running a, that was head of the pride then there'd be a new male alpha male that would come into the pride and then what was the first thing you do kill all the cubs yeah so you've with one arrow you've then lost two generations uh, two generations of lions so I mean they they had or say we'll save two generations really. No, with one arrow, if, oh, they, yeah. if they shot a lion in a pride, they've just te- wiped out two generations oh, course, yeah, because yeah. another lion would then come in, kill the cubs, because they're not his cubs. Yeah. And then would have, would have to breed again. But, um, so yeah, it wasn't really rules. It was, I don't know how you'd say it. It wasn't really rules, was it? But it's it was, just being responsible, yeah. Because yeah, they don't want... Understanding. Like, because if, if Ray Mears goes and follows all these tribesmen, they have an understanding of what happens in there. Well, they can't... They can't... They can't just outpredate everything because, you know, then they'll just there won't be any left. No, you can't just kill everything because yeah. well, 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 now we've now we've fucked ourselves really because yeah, it's you know, like chopping down trees and and not all chopping down trees and not replacing them all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got to let the, you've got to let the population be be healthy, and that, that's the thing. There's not loads and loads of people. There's not so many people bow hunting or hunting in general that populations of animals and you have to have a license to do it we found out the other well today that you can't even bow hunt in the uk at all yeah. um you have to have licenses there's only specific seasons and areas that where yeah. you can where it can be done um i, I mean I'd, I'd if i had the choice i'd much rather hunt for my own your know, protein and stuff rather than buy factory farmed I mean, well, really i don't buy, I don't buy factory farm stuff anyway but uh, even organically raised stuff is still it's still raised for a purpose. It doesn't really, have yeah. a, it doesn't have a wildlife. It really curious how it life. tastes because obviously even even if you go back to uh, the eggs, sorry, excuse me, 
the eggs that we used to get. Uh, the difference between an egg from a chicken that's grown in uh, my sister's back garden and the egg from a supermarket is massive. Yeah. So I'd love to know the difference Even just between. Even the colour. I'd love to know the difference between like a, a a wild bison shot in Africa and a steak from Sainsbury's. Mm. Or Asda if you want to go down market. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just just wild meat, isn't it? It, it? it must be better. It must be better. You know, these animals have had. They've actually had to work, climb stuff, run away from things, battle, fight. They're going to get stronger, bigger, tougher. You know, they, they, it's, yeah. it's a wild animal at the end of the day. You know, it's, yeah. it's such a surprise. They're, they're, I mean, if there's not as many nutrients in there, I'd be very, very surprised. Very, oh, it's very got to be. It's going to be cleaner. It's going to be cleaner. It's going to be much better quality meat. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, a wild bison is not eating food pellets given to him. <laughs> you know, he's eating. It's not being, it's not being um, uh, funnel fed. Yeah, or anything like that. Um, but no, I think I think there's a lot of a lot of reaction to photos without actually understanding. Because I mean, I've I've never. It's another thing I've never even looked into. I've never never thought about it or looked into it. And then listening to the. Interview that he did with Joe Rogan, Cameron Haynes, uh, that did with Joe Rogan, and and all the not really arguments for, but why he does it. Mm. Um, it just kind of completely hits home. It's, it's actually, yeah, okay, I completely understand that, and that really gets you in touch with with why we're here and what we're doing. I think it's there's a there's there's a reluctance to accept that that in order for for life to exist, death has to happen. Things yeah. have to get hunted. Things have to get killed. Yeah, you know it. it, it if you're animals, quite happily animals didn't do that, then there would be no life. Quite on, happily, on McDonald's. Earth, you know, um, well, and it's, it's the average lifespan of any kind of creature is six years or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. The natural world is brutal, you know. Yeah. But people have uh, what did what did he say? He said something like it's the uh, personification of yes, animals yeah. like bears yeah. and things like you giving them human traits or whatever. Well, a bear would eat your head. You know, if you you know you if you left your newborn, your bear, <laughs> it would eat the newborn. Yeah. As horrible as that is to sound, and as, as as horrific as that would be to actually see happen, it's just a fact. It would happen. Yeah. They don't see it that way. They don't. They don't understand. They might. Well, they might understand that it's an infant, maybe in some way, or they could maybe tell that. Well, that man there is a lot bigger. So maybe he's an adult, or obviously they wouldn't be able to vocalise. There was a, there was this, a but... video on Facebook that went around about a kid in was it in Africa or India who fell in a lion enclosure. Did you see that one? It was a few months ago. It went around. Whether it's real or not, I don't know, but it looked blooming real to me. Um, like a little six-year-old kid who fell in a lion enclosure, and the lion had it cornered. He was sat there for about five minutes, just toying with it and looking at it, and then picked it up by its head, dragged it off, and ate it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what happens when nature, mother nature, meets us who have which is from that. yeah, just been so far removed and so far from that really. so far um, so many emotions that have been developed past a natural uh, instinct. Do you think we do? You think do you think people in in more primitive societies have not got? Those emotions to, or not, don't have emotions to such a heightened level. That's something That's I've, always, I've always wondered about. I mean, they they must have those sorts of emotions because otherwise they wouldn't be able to function in in family groups and all these sorts of things. But um, do, you know, do they have the ability to switch it off if they see when their their children get that get killed well, by, by a wild animal? Or... That's like primal then. 
And he's interesting. I think I was... Survival. Uh, who was it that said this? It was... That's right. It was Sam Harris. And I don't Who's know... Sam Harris? Uh, he's a philosopher and uh, I think he's a neuroscientist as well. He's, okay. he's kind of like written similar books to sort of Chris Hitchens and Dawkins yeah. and other people like that. And um, really clever bloke. And he was saying something like uh, the ability of humans to have foresight and to think and plan out um, is obvious when you think about if someone gets say someone gets wronged or they get beaten up or, or stabbed by somebody or attacked by somebody that they know or they don't know and they find out they might have a real grudge against this person yeah. and set out to ruin them either financially or, yeah. or, or emotionally or physically or something. He said that, and it might consume them for, say, 20 years. They might be thinking, right, I'm going to take my time and get, get my own back. I'm going to plan and, and everything. And then yeah. when the time's right, I'm going to strike. He says, when have you ever heard somebody say that about, say, an animal attack that they've suffered? Say if it's a bear, for example. <laughs> say if a bear you know, t- like bites your hand off or bites your arm off or whatever. He says, you know, you don't, you don't think, oh, I'm going to get that bear, I'm going to save it for a rifle and, and then I'm going to learn how to shoot, I'm going to go out, I'm going to, I'm going to kill it. Yeah. You know, it's, you just accept it that it's part of nature because it has no foresight. He says, you might even go into a bar and start to, oh, look, you know, yeah, it's the big one that took my arm or whatever, and here's a picture of it and stuff, you know. You might be just accepted. Yeah. And I, th- I forget what he, what he called it. He said it was, it was kind of like a, um, uh, because we understand that wild animals and things can't um, think as we do, they don't have ulterior motives. Yeah, they can't rationalise. Yeah, they don't have reason the way that we have reason. Survival instinct over, um, over rational. And they thought. just see you as a bit of food. Then they're not doing it to ruin your life. They don't. They you know they don't know that you're um, you know you won't be able to drive a car, drive a car now because you've yeah, got a shark. Wild. A shark doesn't come up and take you because you're a human being. It comes up and takes you because it thinks you're a seal. Um, yeah, and exactly. Then, and then. Realises you're not spits you back out again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, totally. It's interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Would you would you hunt wild? Well, yeah, that's an obvious. Of course you would. Uh, I think I if, would. I get the, if I get I the chance now. to, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I, would I would now. I've kind of listened to that. I want if to I think before. I could get good enough. I don't know whether um, I wouldn't have done before because I didn't agree with it or whether I didn't really know about it. I, I would I, I would have done before because, um, uh, you know, I think I've... I think I've realised for a while that, it, that it's the way we eat meat and stuff it's just it's just a, it is unnatural you know I mean, the only the only species on the planet that farms yeah. intensively and stuff and yeah that, that that method has enabled us to feed many many times the number of people that would have or can exist if we just hunt the traditional way do you know what the greatest sport in the world is the most popular sport in the world uh, in the world fishing fishing yeah I can well believe that there you go I suppose that's. I suppose fishing's not looked at in the same way no. as well, is it? Either. So fishing, as I'm guessing, fish can't be personified quite as much as Even a bear. That's... Yeah. Or a lion. A lion's a cute little cat, whereas a fish is a. Maybe if we get more people watching Sharky and George, maybe then it'll happen. <laughs> Sharky and George. Sharky and George. Uh, Crazy. What else do we have on here? Um, moral zeitgeist. Oh, I think that tied into. Yeah, we kind of to that, that thing, one. didn't it? Hunting in general, um, would you would you still hunt with a with a rifle? Because it was saying I that the difference, the difference between know. hunting with a bow in terms of uh, when it hits the uh, when it hits the target is uh, rifle kills with shock, yeah. Whereas a bow and arrow kills with hemorrhage. 
Yeah. So obviously it bleeds out. Yeah. Um, so I don't know which one. I don't. I don't actually know which one. I'm reluctant to say I agree with more because I kind of agree with both of them now. I know. It's not even now I know more about it. But like I, I, I think just. I mean, I've not hunted with either, but um, I've shot both. Um, you know, bow and a rifle. I think it would be rifle. definitely more satisfying with a bow. With a bow, yeah. I think it's because definitely. it's it's, un, it's your own power. Yeah. Your own powers get your own under human powers getting transferred into the limbs and the string. Yeah. It's firing that arrow into the, into the animal, killing that animal. Then you've got to use your own. Well, I suppose you've got to do that with a rifle. You've got to do that anyway, with a rifle to, anyway. To, to, you've got to strip it and cut it and carry it back and yeah, um, it and eat it and whatever. I think it'd be a bit more primal. It's a bit quieter. It's a bit more uh, um, prehistoric. So the yeah, people who are against hunting, but will quite happily eat meat from Sainsbury's, do you? Th- are they just blinkered? Oh, they're not just not bothered with how their meat gets to their table. Well, it can't be otherwise. Otherwise, they'd, otherwise they'd be again. They'd be a vegetarian completely. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't really understand vegetarianism either. I mean, it's it's. I mean, there's lots of arguments made. So you're the healthiest people. Our vegetarians was well. No, obviously well, this is your not. thing about the world's strongest man, wasn't it? There's only one person in the world. Was it you who said that? But I mean, even even you know, people say our oh, cows are vegetarians. Well, they're not. No, no vegetarian animal is really vegetarian because when they eat leaves and things like that, they inadvertently will be taking in insects and other yeah. other organisms anyway. <laughs> you can't say a cow's it just, vegetarian. It just happens. Is um, a herbivore because he predominantly yeah, but it's, eats. It's, it's not. I mean, it's, yeah, they predominantly eat that, but they they must eat. Insects and stuff are in the grass. They don't eat just a purely vegetarian yeah. diet. And you've only got to look at you know vegetarians become vitamin D, uh, B deficient, and, and all these other sorts of things. Um, I mean, if you if your natural diet doesn't get you all the nutrients your body needs, that should tell you something. The wrong diet, yeah. That should tell you something. Um, and in certain parts of the world, it's just not possible to be a vegetarian. The Inuit, for example, how yeah. how is an Inuit? Yeah. Going to exist pure solely on 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 you know vegetarian b- oh, yeah, vegetable matter plant matter it's not possible. Um, I mean, so you know, some people. Will, but that's why that that uh, that book by uh, Dr. Weston Price about the nutrition and uh, physical degeneration is very very good because he looks at so many tribes through the whole world and he says one thing they have in common is that they eat. Foods that are native to that specific yes. part of the, uh, yes. the world they live in. So if you know if, if you go to the to the West Indies or, or to the, to the Caribbean, they'll eat a lot more fruit and less yep. meat because there's you know more fish because there's like, there's not any big game animals about there. You know if you go to to you know Siberia or whatever, or they will Siberia. do. Yeah, yeah. Or Canada, um, they will do because the, the big game animals are there and the pl- the huge variety of plants and fruits and if things. If you go down just to South grow. America, they'll be eating I mean, what fruit grows, like, in the Arctic Circle? <laughs> I mean, you'll well, get, you'll get berries. You'll get very small berries, I suppose. Nothing for ten months of the year, will it? Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. Two months so of the year, um, you might get some berries, but after that... It, I think it's... it's Maybe a lot of these people, vegetarians, vegans... Uh, I can see the point, but if you're a vegan and you're worried about the treatment of animals... Just eat organic or hunt your own food, if, or, or you know, produce your own stuff. I'm trying to think of the yeah. the thing that Hayne said about about getting about getting his. I'm trying to think what it was about getting his meat from the supermarket and the difference between 
not really the difference, but what he thought about people who got their meat from the supermarket compared with how he got his meat. I can't remember what he was talking about. I can't remember how he phrased it. I mean, so I, I suppose the only argument that, that could be made would be that, well, this is a wild animal. Um, you know, unless you're living in civilization where meat can be farmed, um, so there's no, nec- in, no there's no reason for you to no hunt a wild impact. animal. But there's no impact for somebody who goes bow hunting or even just not normal. But even if it is, isn't it an impact? Just it's no just, impact? You're just another predator there. Yeah. I mean, there's more, more, much more. Many more animals die per year, surely, wild animals through natural predation. Oh than, God, than, thousands. Got to be. I wonder how, how, how many you... animals are actually killed in a slaughterhouse every year. Well, it can't be as many as, as. I mean, it depends how many predators there are and how many, how many prey they kill. But overall, I mean, you know, you've got all the birds, birds of prey. If you think about all how the, much all the predatory meat, fish, how much meat shows up on the shelves at Sainsbury's, um, and that's not just in your city. If you've got four Sainsbury's in your city. And then you multiply that exponentially across the globe. How many Sainsbury's have that cut of steak? That's a shitload of cows. They're all being oh, yeah. they're all they're all being arguably killed inhumanely in a slaughterhouse. Yeah, and being bred and eating shit food. So I suppose some processed meat won't see light of day. I know a lot of chickens reading. Really, I mean, yeah. especially the cheap chickens in, in yeah. Tesco Sainsbury's won't be won't probably see daylight. Just in a massive barn. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's why you know people. You think, oh, you can buy a whole chicken for five quid. It's like they yeah, they get you have to you wait for chicken think? to grow. You have to feed it, house how? it, make yeah. sure it doesn't die from disease. You trace that back pa- to the pack, actual kill it, package it, get it, make store, money about s- it, supermarket, whatever. Wrap it in packaging uh, plastic that is oil, liquefied dinosaur dust that has to come out the ground. They have to process, and they can sell that for a good profit at five yeah, pounds. Five pounds. Now, what sort of condition is that animal going to be getting? Yeah. And how many? You've only got. I mean, you know, you get. You've only I got can't. To ask a question. The more, the more you talk about it, the more you talk about that, the more, the the less of an argument anybody's got against. I'm trying to phrase it properly because, like, trophy hunting and bow hunting, and like, trophy hunting, I, I just don't. I, yeah, no. that's that's that's. With that's, hunting, it's it's. I suppose you get the thrill of the hunt and being accurate and, and achieving it. With a bow, I see that as exponentially more. More. Um, well, okay, because if you miss or if you if you fluff it up, there's a real chance that that animal could turn turn on you. Yeah. And I think I heard Cameron say Haynes say towards the end, you know, if he was hunting a lion or something and it was just him and the lion and, and the yes, lion turned around yeah, and yeah. killed him. It was he his said mistake. He didn't want to say, did he? he? Yeah, he was going to kill a lion. If he fails, the lion's going to kill him. He says that's fair. That's a done deal. Yeah. He says the equilibrium. The equilibrium is there, fight and he's lost the fight. Exactly. Yeah. Because he didn't want to say. So he, 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 he says that, I, you I can't blame the lion. That. He says I, he says if the lion took my, you know, you, you can't. Yeah, you can't blame a wild animal for just protecting itself because yeah. you're in their territory. Yeah. You're trying to kill them. If they kill you, that seems like a done deal to me. Yeah. That seems like a fair which trade. Is why, which is why he does all his training so that he can... I mean, one of the things he says when he's shooting bears, he shoots at, even though he can hit the money, as he calls it, over 60 yards or 160 yards, even though he can do that, he shoots bears at 10 yards. Because uh, he says something like, when your uh, bears do funny things to you, um, so when you're when you're shooting a bear, it's 
you could quite happily mess it up, and you don't want to mess it up when a bear. I mean, you saw. I don't know whether you did see, but when the arrow hits it and goes through through it, bear goes nuts. I mean, he doesn't know which way he's running. He's just running. But I mean, if he ran straight at you, you'd be in the way, yeah. and then you'd be squished. And, uh, strong, um, but he he shoots bears at ten yards. Elks and stuff are different because. I don't know why, but I mean, even something like that could, could, oh, could God, kill yeah. you quite easily. Well, the the bison that he shot in Africa, they, they are called the Black Death, and the people who were tracking with him, tracking the bison for him, again, had to had to had to fit the rules, had to had to be a seven year old bison, so that it wasn't in its prime and ready to ready to pass on its seed and everything. So it was a seven year old bison that they found, and they shot it in the middle of this massive herd, and the hunters, uh, not the hunters, the trackers and everything are very very used to people going out with that, with rifles. Bang! Big thing goes off. Stampede. Ball goes down. Stampede. And they're called the Black Death for a reason because because of all that. He sh- he fired the arrow, completely silent. Went straight through the. Bu- well, I don't know whether it went straight through the bison. It went into the bison. Nobody moved, and the bison just fell down in the middle of the herd. It's a completely different mm. style. Um, yeah, it seems a lot more uh, respectful, I suppose. Yeah. Is the word. Because you have to train for it. And you have to, anyone can pull a trigger on a rifle. Yeah. If it's pointed the right way, the barrel is so straight and the bullet is, is travelling so fast and so straight and does yeah. such trauma and damage when it hits anything that you could even say, yeah, it's child's play, isn't it, really? Yeah. Shock, um, 10 seconds, sh- that's not dead. Yeah, you know, I mean... Into shock in five seconds. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, if you're using like a high calibre round, that does even more damage, tra- you know, does even more trauma. Um Whereas a bow and arrow, you have to work at it, and you can't just pick it up and shoot and just yeah. hope to kill something. You have to make sure that you do a good job because the, the bison you killed took him fourteen days to find. He was oh. there for I think he said I think he said fourteen days. He was there for two weeks until he found until he actually had a shot. Took him fourteen days hmm. um, to a to find the right. To I think it's, just, right it's, on, it's out, on the plane. It's being the right place. The playing field was level then, I yeah. think, because it, you have to get close enough for if it did go wrong. You're on the receiving end of it, and I think that's fair. Yeah, you know, because um, it's not. It, I wouldn't say it's fair if you if you're sitting with a rifle 500 yards away. Yeah, because there's no there's Bang. no there's no pressure. Yeah, the the, the bullets you the miss, bullets in the animal before yeah. it's even heard the shot because it travels so much faster than the speed of sound. You know, and it's yeah. down, and then you're like you yeah at a safe distance or or you and if you miss, boom, stampede, but it's. Well, I suppose maybe a lot of people have the view of, of especially Americans, going around drinking beer, playing loud music or whatever, just in a in a camouflage cap, just shooting a rifle at, at pigs or whatever. Or hogs <laughs> and stuff. They have that view, don't yeah. they? I suppose. Yeah. Like, I think from from the very little we've, you know, because we've been getting his bow hunting and, and shooting bows over the last you know, few weeks, months, um, the stuff you see in there is completely the opposite. Just quiet. Everything's. Um, Everything's done on the level. Everything's thought out, planned out. Yeah. Every respect. Obviously, they have to have all the permits and everything done. Yeah. They have to have everything. Yeah. You know, it has to be done properly. Um, and they have the... different. They have different. Uh, they have minimum draw poundages as well, don't they? Depending yes. on different states. Yeah. To make sure that you're going to get as much penetration yeah. as possible. Yeah. Um, to make sure that the animals. And you're only you're only hunting stuff which is very, uh, almost like they were saying with the bears, overpopulated. So they need to be, because you don't want a bear coming into your city and eating you eating your kid. Right. As we said, because that uh, would happen, because it doesn't give a shit. Um, yeah. So they're 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 hunting in the right way, but yeah, I just I just found it a real eye opening because I've never even bothered to look. I don't know why I've never bothered to look into it, but I've never bothered to look into it. But maybe maybe before. our opinions will change once we've actually yeah. done it. Maybe once you actually kill an animal, a wild animal, and and think and, and have time to reflect on it, maybe you think, 
actually no, it didn't feel quite right. Maybe I won't do it again, or maybe yeah. I'll just maybe I don't mind. Maybe I don't mind buying the meat off off a hunter, but I'm not going to hunt myself. I don't know. Yeah. Until I, until I try it out, I, I really don't know what my action will be. Um, I, th- I have a, I have a, I think I have a, uh, uh, an idea of how how I'll handle it or how what what I'll feel about it, what, what I'll think about it. But until we actually do it, I don't think I don't think you can ever say. Uh, again, it's just one of those lost, almost one of those lost arts. I mean, I think wa- even skinning animals. I'd want my children to be able to, to be able hunt to something and you know prepare food and and mm. and um, look after themselves. Basically, you know, uh, not that I'm a prepper or like a doomsday prepper or anything. I just think it's. If you've got just have got all these people in the UK who who um, breed, well, not breed, but um, have pigs in the back garden because they're going to have pig for. Christmas. We're going to have pork for Christmas. Well, I did. What, I did want to mention something. Actually, what time are we up to? Um, oh, I'll keep going. Yeah, we'll... I, I did. I did mention. I did want to bring something up. Actually, uh, uh, a reliance on other people or this sense of like entitlement. I thought. I thought this might because I don't want my children to grow up with the idea that they're, they're entitled to something. Yeah. I want them to. I want them to realise that they're not going to get handed things on a plate. Do you, like I wanted to ask you this actually. Do you think that's a problem now? Do you think that society might be going that way where people think, oh well, um, I can't necessarily afford to have five kids, but I'm gonna have five kids anyway, and let let the state pay for them? I think that's a, I think that's an issue in England. I think that's a massive issue in England. I don't think it's a particularly as, as much of an issue uh, in other countries because of the benefit system in England and the NHS and things like that. So the state funded, state funded. Um, do, I mean, do, health service. Also, I want to know whether you think there'll be a tipping point. Oh God, yeah. What do you th- what do you think the tipping point will be? The tipping point when Mother Nature hits back. Yeah. I just. I, <laughs> or do you think people will just people on mass will just go? Well, I'm not paying any more tax. You can't. Because I think somebody came out the other day and said, "Oh, well, you know, to get more money for such and such, we're just going to tax the rich." Well, the rich people will just piss off them, won't they? Or yeah. they'll move their company overseas, or yeah. they'll do because such they and can. such. Because they can. Yeah. Because they're rich, they, they've got And then the you'll lose all the tax. Simon Cowell will go and he'll, you'll lose the £5 million pounds worth of tax that he gives into the... the uh, do, you think, uh, do, you think, um, do you think that will start in school? Or, or do you think it has to be done in school? The, the sort of... No, it's good to do you think, um, well, do you think that's something that has to be taught in school to youngsters? That, right, well, you're not entitled... You are entitled to a few things. You're entitled to free healthcare, um, you know, the, right, the right to free speech. Well, you're entitled to free healthcare if you pay your taxes. Yeah. <laughs> what, about, I mean, what, what if we get somebody that's that is say properly disabled or, or, or mentally ill or um you know uh see this is getting into a gray area now because Lindsay supports um a couple of mentally disabled people one of whom is uh wants to wants to learn wants to do so and so wants to get a job wants to get better at doing such and such and the other one says he wants to get a job, but just doesn't give a shit. Doesn't care at all. Lindsay comes home on a Tuesday completely fed up because he's been an absolute arsehole all day. Um, doesn't want to get a job but pays more than 16 hours because then he loses his benefits. Yeah. Uh, just he, And he, know, he knows, and his parents, which is the worst thing, his parents know how to screw the system over and get more benefits for him. And he's like going, well, why should I do this when I can get this amount of benefit? Whereas I saw us. Uh, this is quite an old story, but it was on um, uh, it was on the net, and it's a guy I can't remember his name, but he's he's got Down syndrome. I think he might be about thirty two or so, 
Um, and he works as uh, uh, in a uh, like a uh, not a Walmart store, but like a, a grocery store in America yeah. somewhere. And um, he's he's able to um, do the trolleys and things and yep. uh, help people pack pack yep. things like that. I don't think he's ever, I don't bagger. think he's on the checkout. Yeah, like a bag. I think they call him. Um, but he's also a, a nationally uh, a recognized powerlifter. No way! Bench press like two hundred kilos, like four hundred. What was that? Four hundred fifty pounds for four hundred forty pounds for American wow. listeners. Um, unit, absolute unit. How do you get? How do you get? But, but trains and stuff, it. and and but you see him walking along. He's he's hench. But then again, you know, he's got these learning disabilities. He obviously finds life pretty tough anyway. You know, having Down's, Down syndrome. It, 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 but we, he still goes out and works. Now I think he still lives with his parents. Maybe he's not um, independent enough to live completely on his own. But that's that's completely fine. But at least he, he's contributing to society. He's yeah. challenging himself, yeah. even though he's challenged enough already, just by his by his condition. But that's almost the nature versus nurture debate. And then if you throw environment in there before uh, as well, I mean, we've talked of, a couple of times about going going places and driving through places and going, oh, I wouldn't want to live here yeah. because the environment almost breeds. Uh, yeah, the, the nature we, we saw and when, when we were driving through. Was it Loughborough or somewhere? Yeah, we saw so some some place through Leicester. It's just, just a you, tiny you get like a vibe of, yeah. of where you think, oh, this... But that's... Oh. And I don't know what that does, is. It, does, is, is. Is that the kind of environment that almost breeds entitlement? Yeah. We're entitled to this. We're entitled to as much as we can get for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, re- I really don't know where it starts. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Because we, I mean, we mentioned last... And I was quite excited about it, actually. After, after the last podcast, when we came... Uh, when we were talking about taking uh, that goal-setting thing into school. So I was actually quite excited about that. Because I thought, well, that would be the ultimate give-back. You know, that Arnie's six rules. Yeah. Uh, I think that I would be a chance to change I think that, that would well. be... Kind of going into schools and getting it, getting it there. And seeing if you can... I don't know how many... Even if you got like a handful of kids come up and say, oh, "I was really cool. I really kind of got something out of that," um, yeah. and just kind of starting to, but then, <laughs> who are we to make the rules? <laughs> who makes the decision? Who makes it? But then, then surely we can, surely any subjective person can say, "Right, well, this sense of entitlement stuff is not going to be good for society in the long run." Surely, mm-hmm. because you can't have more and more people of that mindset and less and less people of of our mindset. Yeah. I mean, surely anybody can see that's a recipe for yeah. disaster. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you know, you need people that create and, and are entrepreneurs and are businessmen and, and um, create jobs and things like that for people to have jobs and for the tax to get paid. If everybody becomes of this entitled entitled mindset, where's the money going to come from? The money has to come from somewhere. This is what I tried to explain to Shawn's mum on, on numerous occasions. You know, uh, although she uh, because she has she has kind of played the system and all these sorts of things. Siobhan's always worked at least one job, mo- normally two or three, since she was 15 or so. Yeah. Um, trying to explain to her that the money that you receive comes from somewhere. Where do you think it comes from? Oh, the government. Where do you think the government gets the money from? They have to get it from somewhere. They don't have just a, 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 a bottomless pit, mm. you know, a bottomless pocket that they just keep reaching into and grabbing this money from nowhere. Greece. They can do that. Greece but that's, yeah, that's where they borrow. You know, they borrow more yeah. money than they. You know, just borrowing. Borrowing money against against the pound. And that's where Greece and Spain fell down. Well, Greece, particularly Spain, are just about trying to drag their way out of the recession. 
Uh, yeah. Greece have been hit by it by a long way. I don't know how much. It's weird seeing Greece like that. But, you know, the, the, the sort of cradle of civilization. I know where, exactly. Where yeah. It seems strange to me, but then you know a lot of things have happened since then. Then you know, um, but yeah, I do. I do wonder where that sense of sort of entitlement will. Um, but it'd be interesting. I think if we could, I don't know how you go about because it's still taking that into a school. For me, they're the worst. To... They're the worst type of people because they're they think they're entitled to everything, but they're completely. Um, unwilling to put they're anything just, in. They're just the, the most uh, aggressive consumers as well. Like Siobhan used to tell me about some of the people she used to see at her weekly payment yeah. store. I won't tell the name of it, but the people in there are just scumbags. You know, I don't mind saying that and, be, and my name being put against it. They were. You know, she'd get people coming in with a 50-inch TV already up to debt in their eyeballs. They don't work, so basically their benefits come in. The benefits go straight out again on products. Yeah. So in effect, the taxpayers are paying for these people not only just to have not a to work, TV. but to well, yeah. And and Schwann was like, right. And the guy came in and said, oh, there's a new 16-inch TV. I'd love to have that. Oh well, you know the interest rates. And Schwann says she explains to them that the interest rates have gone up. You're gonna have this. It's gonna cost you this much. You know, whatever TV is gonna cost you three and a half grand over however many years, three, four years, or whatever. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. And all they're looking at is the weekly payment. Is that weekly payment covered by my benefits or covered by by tax credits, yeah. whatever? Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, I saw stuff. a similar, similar sort of thing I won't name him um, but a similar sort of thing um, at Lloyd's one of the PTs there was would, had a number of kids um, would only do so many sessions because he knew that if he did any more then tax credits and stuff would go down you know who I'm talking about I'm not going to mention his name I never said anything okay. at the time I, didn't want, I, I wasn't really obviously I was bothered and stuff before I, you know it's not worth the argument. Yeah, it's not worth the argument. I, I said I, I knew that I'm writing myself. That's the wrong thing to be doing. If yeah. you can't afford three kids w- without getting tax credit stuff, don't have three kids. I think they're bringing something in um, in America now where no contraception, no benefits. Really? Yep. Or I think they no, not not maybe it's not America. Some Western country anyway. Maybe a country in Europe. No, no contraception, no kids, which is completely fair. The state, other taxpayers cannot be, cannot be footing the bill for you to have how many kids you want. It can't be done. Just because then, you know, say, say, I mean, we both have limited, limited companies now. If our tax bills just keep going up and up, well, what happens if I can't afford, yeah, two, like a kid, two kids, because I'm I've been paying so much, so much tax, and other other people that don't even work can afford can afford to have kids. This is the thing you see. I mean, it, it, it it's it's strange because there was that was that seventeen kids and counting program. I never saw it, but my dad told me. I've about heard it. about that one. My brother and his wife because there's a couple in as well. Some decent money, but they live in London. It's expensive to live there. Even they couldn't afford seventeen kids on on the the wage that there's they're. There's a guy. There's a guy who lives in know. Derby who's got. I want to say. I want to say thirteen. He lives in a massive house. Too doesn't many. Work. Doesn't work. Too many kids. Just get, just has thirteen. But, I mean, you could say. The the maximum people like that should be allowed is two, so they're just replacing. But then, the how do you? Because China, China famously uh, kind of saw their population issue issue, um, and decided that the way that they were going to cull it, uh, well, not really cull, but slow it down, other than saying right, okay, you can't have more than two kids, was to educate the girls, because they 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 realised or they found out or they researched that an educated lady is less likely to have kids early and therefore is less likely to have lots of kids. Yeah. So they, they addressed it rather than kind of um, treating the symptoms. They went back and treated the cause and actually educated the... And, well, you look where they are now. You can 
going to be the next superpower. But yeah, um, yeah they, so they address it. That, but then people are afraid to say. Does that, that it's, work it's... over here in this current environment? Are you going? If you could, can we educate the current crop of kids? Do they want to be educated? Like we were saying. When we were at school, th- and somebody came in and, and told you, told you all PC the gold stuff, would we even be listening? People are worried about being, uh, you know, they're worried about, if they're a politician, they're worried about losing votes. If they're some councillor, they're worried about upsetting the boat, uh, or they're worried about being... Particularly in England. Yeah, you know, because, it, yeah, here, people are so afraid of being labelled either a racist or a bigot or, or, or whatever else. But it's, it's just people just throw the term out because they know they can get away, away with whatever bullshit. If they're... If they, you know, if they if they've had five kids or ten kids or whatever, and they they don't work, and somebody says to them, "Oh, well, you know, you shouldn't really be having this many kids because you, the state's now paying for them." Oh, you know, you, you're, it's my human right to be able to have a family. You're infringing my human rights. That that goes that that excuse yeah. is thrown out automatically. That yeah. then the person or the politician or whoever's making the accusation, oh well, you know, I don't want to tread really carefully. They they retract it then. They apologise for it and all the rest of but it, then, and then nothing gets done. And about that's it. that's why it's gonna. That's why I was really almost surprised that the Conservatives got got in in the last election because historically they're going to drop benefits um, and the vast majority of the voters are going to be in deficit. They're going to be worse off with the benefits being dropped, which is why, I don't know whether I should say it or not, which is why it's very, very difficult for a Conservative um, conservative representative to, to get in at Liverpool. Because, I mean, I know, I know a number of people say, well, I'm, I'm going to vote Labour because I don't want the, the benefit system to change because I have four kids, I have five kids. Yeah. Um, and that's from knowing people up in Liverpool who have said that. I mean, it's, it's, it's this lack of shame as well. Like, you've got... Uh, like, what, they always one, know what they're one, saying. One, one, of the clean, one of the cleaners at uh, Lloyd's had, what is it, five kids by three different women or something? <laughs> yeah. Stupid. You should, you should be ridiculed for it. I mean, I, I used to. I, I used to. I, I used to. I wasn't impressed. He used to say it as if it was some, something impressive. I mean, I, I never used to. I just used to ignore him most of the time. I used to get irritated. Must I do? Yeah. Um, he tried to tell me off for walking in the changing room without drying myself the other day. Yeah. It's like I've got to dry, I've got to clean that up. I was like, well, yeah, no, that's yeah. your job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to it. <laughs> and it's, it's this. I'm not, I'm not going to dry myself in the shower so I mean, that you I don't can do know, less it, work. It's kind of like. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You know, because we're in the modern world, we're forced to be in this, in this, not forced to be in this society, but we're, we're, if you want to be a part of this modern society, you have to, you know, there's some, some, um, uh, concessions that you have to make, you know, you have, you've got to understand that, you know, like I went to see my accountant today, and obviously if, if this year we go, okay, the amount of tax we've been paying is, is a lot more than I've been paying in the past and stuff, and I know that a certain percentage is going to, Whatever. There's no yeah. way to get around it, though. Yeah. All I can do is try and claim for as many things legally as I can, and try and try and you know run my business well and and do all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, that's all you can do. You know? having, a, it's, having it's, a chat with Bob Harvey the other day. His company paid two and a half million pounds worth of tax last year. Yeah. Two and a half million pounds worth of tax. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean that that's you know you could say a lot if, of I get, if I get a company that turns out I, I, I don't I honestly do not know what I'm going to feel. Luxembourg. Having paid Luxembourg, two and a half million pounds worth of tax, yeah, knowing full well where that's gone, yeah. And people say oh, it's not a lot of people, but it is a lot of people. I know numerous numerous people. I don't have a big circle of friends or, or, or even family that, that that much. But I know there's a few people just in my family alone on both um, 
my uh, well, my mum's side, not my dad's side now, but um, and then Siobhan's side, her extended family went out to Portsmouth, so loads of people there. One family with 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 three kids, one one family with one kid, and another on the way. A lot of them are just either one parent will work a part time job, minimum wage or something. It's and I was thinking it's not enough to so support if, this this type of family. If, so if we if we went uh, for the sake of argument, if we went into a school and we're trying to influence influence the next generation if you were looking at like a 50 50 split so you got 50 percent of them inspired by big-headedness what we were saying uh, and wanted to um create or develop or just kind of work their ass off kind of thing and then 50 percent that didn't 50 percent that just are where we think schools are at the moment would that be enough would that 50 50 percent split be enough for the tax situation Oh, I've got no idea. I've got no idea. And I'm str- I struggled to think how you would... Because you get a lot of kids these days that think it's cool to be... Uh, not a failure, but like a, just a bum. Yeah. You see it all the time, you know. Yeah. It's just just uh, like just a bad attitude. Um, I don't want to say no respect, because that's kind of like a bit like, oh, in my day, you know. Yeah, yeah, that sort of, But it, it is. They've, they've not got any... They've not got any snap about them. They're not any snap. You see, yeah. see some kids at Lloyd's that used to have a bit, a bit of, a bit of wherewithal. Even some of the younger kids, you could tell they were switched on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then you saw some that just weren't. Some that were just cheeky. Uh, I've seen some of Siobhan's extended family and friends and stuff. Just. No I mean, I had, I, no I have a um, lovely kid that I coach who's now. Nine, I think he's now nine. One of the best tennis players in the county, anyway, and. Uh, Christmas or his birthday or Laura's asking well what did you get did you have a good Christmas what did you get oh I've got I've got a pencil case I've got a new pen I've got a notepad uh, and I've got so and so and then you ask somebody else said, oh yeah I've got an iPhone I've got a Playstation 4 uh, I've got this I've got a new bike I've got that and it's just listing off and it's whether even you know and you might speak to some of those kids in the school but I hope, I hope we do do it I think we should I think we should try yeah, and put plans yeah, yeah. I think we should it. definitely try and do that uh, I mean I don't know what qualifications we need or to be able to do it, or whether we can just say, right, well, you know, my name's Chris Bosnan, I'm a photographer full time. You know, I, I've got a, a colleague or a friend that's that's a, that's a writer. We thought yeah, we'd come we in do and a just podcast about polymath. Yeah, we, we thought we'd come in and try and inspire some talk. Um, now, whether fifty percent of them would, or whether not fifty percent, but whether a lot of the kids would be in, would feel inspired by talking, think, yeah, I can achieve these things. Then they go home and they just hear, ah, oh, you can't do that. Ah, uh, can you help me with my homework, Dad? Nah. Yeah. I mean, we could, because there's nothing we can do about that unless you go into every single kid's home and help them with their homework. Like Siobhan said, you know, the reason she got so behind at school a lot of the time, her mum never did homework with her, ever. She was never uh, uh, inspired to do any extracurricular stuff, and she's a kid, and she's she's grown up around that. So I find it amazing that she's got to, to where she is. Yeah. Because I, I've had the help. You know, my parents weren't the most intelligent in the world, but every... Yeah, yeah, maths homework yeah. and science. They tried to help me as best they could, even when that was a time when Google wasn't even. I mean, around. I so joke about the, I joke about me never stuff. doing homework. I never did homework, but I kind of did, and it was always helped by my dad. My dad would always help me with any kind of school work that I needed to do. Um, yeah. So it was, and it was always support. I mean, Lindsay says all the time, it's it's really nice to see. Your family—it's like you can you can do what you like. Uh, yeah, okay. You, you're going to be a tennis coach. Yeah, okay, cool. We're, we're, that sounds really really good. Go and do it. So maybe, um, maybe it would be best of talking to kids and saying, 
you need to start surrounding yourself with people that you want five to people. think like. I mean, surely that is... Because if they do that, then they're not good. But then what happens if their parents or whatever aren't those sorts of people? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think, I you think can't, Yeah, be... you can't tell a kid to. Or maybe you should just say, well, look, you know, if you do this and you live on benefits and stuff, this is going to be your lifestyle. You're going to get stuff for free, yeah, but it's going to be a shit lifestyle. You're not going to achieve anything. No one's when you're dead. No one's going to remember your name. Satisfaction. You know, you, yeah, you're not going to get any satisfaction from life. You're just going to you're going to just have an existence, basically. You know, like, or, when I, like when I was going through my goals uh, and, the, and we were trying to put the emotion attached to them, and it was like everything was like achievement, proud, achievement, proud, proud, proud. I'd feel really proud when I did that. I'd feel proud when I did that. Yeah, that you won't get that feeling. That won't be there. Exactly. You right. won't feel proud when you walk in and get a sixty-inch TV as opposed I think to fifty-inch TV. I think it's if we went in there try, tried to make it out that, that you know, this underachieving this stuff and, and not being intelligent is not cool. You really know? interesting to see. Yeah, we should definitely, definitely have a think about how. Because you think, yeah, I mean, even when I was at school, it was like, oh, um, you know, if, if you sort of knew the answer or whatever, you a bit of a geek or whatever and, and things like this. But <laughs> imagine, walking think... into, imagine walking into a school, into a school assembly, about to do, our, about to do a talk about goals, and then you pull out your bow and arrow and fire an arrow across the top of their heads. It lands in the back wall, and they go get sued. Ding! You get everybody's attention, and then they'd be they'd be hanging off you every word. Yeah, you will get sued. But I think because uh, I think you'd have to try and include <laughs> food in things because some things are so like my sister is driven by by money. My yeah. brother, either they want to get as much money as possible, and and not in like a, a, a unethical way, but they want yeah. they have jobs where they earn and a lot of it and earn the nice car and stuff like that driven by material things. Um, whereas I'm I'm different. I I want experiences and stuff and and it is nice to it would be nice to earn a lot of money but only because it would allow me to do more more of the things on my experiences with yeah, yeah, yeah. because it quite it would cost money to go to cape canaveral and see yeah. you know and see the the, the the rockets launch and it would cost money to go hiking in canada it would cost money to travel to iceland there's a uh, program mm-hmm. called oh, we're going way over time but this is kind of cool uh, there's a program um that was on canada i think about i don't know two hours yeah two hours that's right yeah. uh there was a program on in canada there were two can two canadian guys one of them who ran a production company and his, be- and his best mate i'm trying to think I'm, I'm basically blagging and filling until i'm trying to think of the name we never um, know these people's names it's hilarious i'm trying to think Can of the name i'm trying to think up. of the name of the I'm trying to think of the name of the show the guy was called scott scott something or other right okay google really really quickly how do you go four, across? Four fingers. Four fingers. There we go. Oh, wrong way. Right. Uh, and the second series that he did was called Descending. Uh, oops. Uh, Descending TV. Scott Wilson. Right, so let's quickly Google Scott Wilson. Anyway, uh, it's a guy over in... A guy over in Canada. And he did this did this TV show uh, where he basically travelled the world with a camera, uh, documented it, uh, he went from place to place and he did loads of bucket list things. So he jumped off, jumped off the largest, uh, jumped off the largest, where are we? No, not dead. Uh, jumped, off, jumped off the largest, um, descending, what, is it like a TV series then? Yeah, it's really cool. You'd really like it, but it was the first. It was the first. Was it just it trying to show first season from different different parts of the world then, or different yeah. mindsets? Or it was. Oh, I'm trying to think of what the first season was. 
Anyway, the first season, the first season, um, oh god, I nearly had it then as well. The first season was basically them going around all these different places. It was about twenty episodes, and one of them was going to Iceland. One of them where they went to the Iguazu Falls down in Brazil. They went to uh, the Galapagos Islands. They went to uh, what's the tiny island that you have to fly to? Um, can't think of the name of it. They went to all these little places and they did all these all these experiences. They took the camera with them and they almost had the TV show pay for it, kind of thing. So they right. they they sold their story to the TV show. I mean, this guy was successful anyway. Okay. Um, but they went around these places, and the difference, this is, I, I, I'd like some money so that I can go to Iceland and not have to pay a tour, uh, not have to pay a tour provider to take me to see the Northern Lights. Because these guys went to Iceland, and they, they for some, somehow, or some, they, they turned up at the airport, and they immediately got a family in Iceland where they went round to their house, had dinner. Um, obviously, they were like, yeah, we're doing, uh, we're doing, oh, nearly had it again, nearly had the name of it again. Uh, we're doing this TV show, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and they went round, they um, became friendly with, these, with this family. And mm-hmm. then they had that family take them round and they were doing some herding uh, of all the cattle in the farm. Uh, and then out on the way back, they found out that the tradition was to have this have this drink on the way back from the ride when they were when they were taking out all the uh, taking out all the ponies and stuff. And then they had uh, these guys knew of somebody who would be able to take them up into the mountains so they could see the Northern Lights. So very much more integral to to the social and the community of the place. And when they went to the Iguazu Falls, they, been they removed from yeah, 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 yeah. When they went to the Iguazu Falls, they they found a tribe and they went and were talking to a tribe and the tribe took them up to the Iguazu Falls and they were lying on the top of the Iguazu Falls. Mm. So, you, obviously that's, you have to have, you've got to have some kind of money to be able to get you into that situation. Yeah. Rather than going to Iceland and saying, okay, well I'm going to give this tour company £500 to drive me up in a car, sit with a group of 500 tourists and look at the Northern Lights. So you think it'd be... I want to get more involved, I want to be more involved with the community. Of, of sort of asking, say we on the school thing, of ask, of, you know, say if you're doing your, your talk, yeah. just say, right, who here's driven by, you know, they want to earn a lot of money when they're older, you know, me, who wants to, who wants to be, you know, an astronaut, a fighter pilot, such and such, you know, yeah. um, you've got it there, have you? Yeah, it's called departures. 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 Okay. Cannot, cannot recommend that enough. Well, I'll have to check that If out. you haven't seen it, I'm pretty sure... <clears throat> you could uh, torrent it, uh, but you can definitely download it. Uh, I don't know whether there's Is two. It's on DVD, or anything. Uh, yeah, it's probably on DVD. Um, but the second one was called Descending. That's Scott, and this is his mate Justin. Uh, Justin's the kind of loopy one. Um, but and then and there's the cameraman Andre Dupois is the cameraman. Uh, but yeah, they just go around the world. It's it's awesome. It's really really cool. And it's a little bit about their friendship as well because their friendship kind of so gets tested think, a little bit. Yeah. Go on, what I think talk about that would work, yeah. So I don't, I, yeah. Whether you know, if you if you said like, who here is you have an audience full of uh, full of kids or whatever? Yeah. I don't know what who's age. Been to the Falls? No, 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 no. Yeah. no you okay. you say right, who's driven by money? So, so, okay, who's yeah, driven yeah. by experiences? Who 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 wants who wants a massive things, house? Was it things, people, things, people, and um, that's the thing you said. Ideas, yeah, ideas, ideas, about, yeah. ideas, people, and things. Because if you've got somebody that's, that's you know into their celebrities and stuff like that, like like maybe one of the one of the sixteen year old girls or something, you could say right, Justin well, Justin Bieber, right, well, maybe a job in media. 
where you get to talk about that stuff all day and you get paid for yeah, it or yeah. you get to open up or anything like you need. I suppose you need to make them see right well you could almost write their idea. goals out couldn't you exactly okay so maybe maybe media so okay so what habits you are you going to have pick anybody out of the audience yeah, say, yeah, right, what do you want to do well I want to earn I want to be a millionaire right well what, what do you like doing how do you want to make a million pounds? Yeah, how are we going to make a million pounds? Yeah. This is your goal here. We've got a habit over here that we need to get to. Or somebody's like, oh, I want to be a, I want to, I want to work for NASA. Right, well, what's where, where? Do you want to be an astronaut? Do you want to be an engineer? Do you want to be part of yeah. what, such and such team? You know, I think one I of the best, to... one of the best things on that goal setting thing was the short, was the short, medium, and long term. So, okay, twenty five years, you're going to be working in NASA. Okay, let's go short. Let's go medium, mid term. Where are you going to have to be? in 15 years to enable you to work for NASA in 25 years. Okay, where are you going to have to be in one year? And then what are we going to have to get in place? I think that might really work. Yeah. Definitely going to do that. I think we should. What do you reckon, A-level students or GCSE? GCSE students, I reckon. I think GCSE as well. Because I think A-level have already kind of made that choice. I know, but stressed, aren't they? (laughs) They're a bit stressed. I do remember remember a lot more of the talks when I was in sixth form. So, uh, A-level standard. Uh, I do remember a lot more of those talks that we had at A-level than I do at GCSE. Okay, but then. I don't know, actually. Let's try it. How many do you want to do? I mean, I, 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 I don't... don't... Yeah, I do. Well, we've got to do one first. <laughs> yeah. Because I remember a How police... would we do it if we both went? How would we, how would we do it? If we, if we both... Like, if we were both doing a talk, would one of us do half and then the other do half? Or what would we do? No, we've just got to know... Like we're doing now, we've got to know what we're talking about and then you... Or would you, you, or dive, you, want, to do it, dive would you want to do it more like a workshop? Where we go and it's just like a classroom. It's it's less formal. I think that'd be better, because yeah, in well, in a in a in a in like a assembly hall or somewhere, yeah, classroom, people are a lot yeah, a people are a lot less like put their hand up and if they've yeah. got an idea, they're oh, not going to say anything because yeah. no one else has yet. No, a classroom might work quite well, won't it? Maybe we should contact. I try to. So I know I know a lady Nic- Nicola uh, Nicola Merton who works for a school, a local diary school. Well, no, I know plenty of people at Ecclesbourne. Um, unfortunately, I know the head teacher at McLever Primary School, and that's a bit too young. We don't want to go there. We can't set, we can't give nine-year-olds a, a lifetime, no. <laughs> lifetime goal. Exactly. But I suppose you know because we've got we've got enough props that we can take as well because we've got books and things. You've got fo- loads got of photos. photos. You can stuff. you can bang down you. You can take your equipment you there. Can bang down your novel. Yeah. It's like yeah. What 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 were you doing five years ago? That's why I was doing PT. That's, that's what I'm doing now. Yeah, even just to ma- even That'd just to really make cool. them realise that the opportunities are there, you just have to go because they might not. Have, maybe they have. I, I can almost guarantee they won't have had entrepreneurial no. workshops or stuff. They would have no. had. Oh, it's you know, very academic. Careers advisors. Yeah. Well, we know what my careers advisor said. I should have been an aircraft engineer, yeah. not like a posh aircraft well, engineer. Yeah. What? Well, it, yeah, but he never he never would have said <laughs> to you, "Oh, well, you can own your own uh, company that no. uh, employs aircraft engineers." No. Or yeah, 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 that exactly. designs, yeah, yeah, yeah. That designs aircraft, but you know, um, yeah, we'll do, be, we should that do that. Be, that would be really cool, definitely. Well, definitely I might try and do a bit of planning this week, and the next next podcast we can maybe we should talk about it. Yeah, or just I might, I might even send Craig a message, Craig Swanson, the guy who was doing all these goal things, and just because he's obviously that's that's his area as well. Yeah. Well, when I say it's his area, he started Creative Live, which is the world's. Uh, I don't think uh, I don't think there's anybody else out there. The world's largest uh, creative education, online creative education um, system. Right, shall we? Shall we write it there? Yeah, what we got there? Underneath that one. That's, that's, that's two. What's that? Well, two hours, hours something. Ten, that's good. Something like that. 
That's a Joe Rogan podcast, I think. Shall we split it? No, stick it all out. No, episode 12. Bang, there you go. Let's talk about next week as well. Next week. Uh, Yeah, so uh, something to take away from you this week. Go and get departures and watch that. Because that is bucket list after bucket list. Yeah, goal setting, all sorts of stuff. It's the start of the year. Don't put off what you can do today till tomorrow. Because yep. that's so many people, even I'm guilty of that sometimes. Yeah. I think, oh, well, I can't. I tried to do that. I tried to do, um, myself and a friend started to uh, try to start uh, on Twitter, Positive Monday hashtag, because uh, we were so fed up with people going, oh, Monday. So we tried to. Th- I like Mondays. I love Mondays. I was looking forward to Monday because I thought, <laughs> yeah, if one's out of the house, I'm just going to get some shit done now. <laughs> yeah, but you look forward to Monday for a different reason. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I look forward to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I love Adam Schultz. I love Adam Schultz. No, I, I, know, I know what you mean. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I look forward to Mondays because it's like right. Well, uh, this is a day where I can. I'm left to my own devices now. Mondays is exactly uh, the same day as a Tuesday. It's just a human human naming. And it's only a sh- it's, Monday's only a shit day if you don't like what you're doing. Well, you know what to do then, don't you? Yeah. If you're not if you don't like what you're doing, you need to put steps into place. And that to, positive to Monday thing that we did had so many people kind of coming back and saying, actually, yeah, if I start off if I start off my Monday in a really positive way, it makes my week but really the thing enjoyable. Is, you've got to realise as well is that. If you're trying to change the thing that you're doing on a Monday, then it's no use having Saturdays and Sundays off <laughs> for, for two years before you. It's not going to happen. Or it might happen, but it'll Hashtag take positive Mondays next week. <laughs> right, okay. uh, next Tuesday. Are you doing next Tuesday? Podcast next Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday's fine, yeah. Awesome. We'll see you then. See you later, Bye. guys. That is Polymath episode 12, and we are out of here.